Everybody, the world has gone to hell. We're gonna rebuild it, but we can't do what people did before. It's time to improve everything. So what are your thoughts on how to make the world go again? The problem was obviously too much freedom. People are stupid, and if you let them do whatever they want, they do stupid things. I think Orwell had the right idea, but we have better technology now. Your leaders know best, and now make sure you get what you deserve for your mistakes. Wait, what? The problem was obviously not enough freedom instead of too much. There's so few people left in the world, everyone can go live in the woods and act like mountain men, so there's no need for a government at all. You break your leg in the wilderness, don't expect help from anyone. Else. Haven't we learned our lesson just from the carnage and destruction? If we can manage to put things back together now, people will finally understand how to treat each other right. It'll take years, sure, and we probably won't live to see it because 95% of the world's population is dead, but we can rebuild everything and get right back on track to do it right this time! You idiots! Those are some of the stupidest plans I've heard in my life! Oh, so you know better. I don't think so. I guess we can't all get along, so... You're going down! Oh man, whoever still gets a TV signal is definitely watching now. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down! Final Fantasy players, come on down! Might and Magic lovers, come on down! And Disgaea fanboys, come on down! You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack! And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 128, House of the Devil. I'm Phil Willis. I'm not Phil Willis. I'm Mike Binky. But you play Phil Willis on TV, I heard. I do? That's news to me. Somebody's making money off of me. That's mm. not good. Track this person down immediately. I am deserve, I deserve royalty checks. Well, you know who's not making money off of you today? The star of our show, Cassandra Ramos! 
what um hello <laughs> yeah actually the name of episode 128 is the cassandra ramos show yeah i don't know what to make of that uh the honored i don't know <laughs> it's better than the the show where cassandra ramos flubs everything wouldn't it be true enough and every show host needs like a gaggle of people behind her to say yes that's awesome and to do that is mr alex fuller that's an awesome role i'm happy to fill it yay go alex it's better than having a show with me hosting that's a terrible idea so what is everybody everybody's like right now they're listening they've got the earphones on tight they're like oh well finally we've demanded it finally it's been granted to us the cassandra rama show what is cassandra gonna talk about tonight well, she's going to talk about Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor and the overclocked version. She's also going to talk about Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor 2. And the rest of us will just cheer her on. Yay, Cassandra, go! She just found this out like five seconds ago, too. That's oh, the best come on, part. Come on, Phil, do the chant to the Speed Racer theme. Go, Cassandra! Go, Cassandra! Go, Cassandra! Go! Oh, dear. Yay! Hey, Phil introduced the entire idea of the Speed Racer theme into this. Hey, hey, you know what? It, you, when you have something super, super exciting, the best thing you can do is leave your audience on the edge of their seat just a little while longer. It's kind of like when the news series like, we've got this breaking news after these commercial messages. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We have the ever so popular Cassandra Ramos coming up right after this musical selection. We'll be right back. We're back with Cassandra, of course, and some other guy, Alex, Minky, something, something, Phil. And we're ready to talk, or Cassandra is ready to talk about Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor, developed and published by Atlas, released in North America on June 23rd, 2009, and later re-released the overclocked version on, in uh, North America on August 23rd, 2011. Devil Survivor comes to you on one Nintendo DS cartridge, and the overclocked version is a 3DS game. And this is a single-player tactical RPG experience, brought to you by Cassandra Ramos. All right. Well, at, least, at least for this one, I cannot contribute much. No, no, me neither. So who wants to talk about the storyline whose last name may or may not rhyme with Lamos? Well then, no pressure. Okay, Devil Survive, uh, Devil Survivors. I guess we'll just talk about the original for now. Starts off with your typical, you know, silent protagonist of Meg- Megami Tensei. He's a blue-haired kid with weird headphones. Give him any name you'd like, even a nickname, and he's just hanging out with his friends Yuzu, 
a girl who has an obvious crush on him, and Atsuro, uh, sort of, uh, sort of a uh, computer whiz kid and a bit of a nerd. They're supposed to hang out with the, his cousin. His name is... Uh, wow, it's completely escaping me right now. Naoya. Wow, I just played this game. Yuzu However, is Naoya... the one with the very, very pink hair, right? Who is? Yuzu? Yes. Yeah, That's okay. her. Yeah. Wait, pink hair. She's got orange hair, don't uh, Yeah, it's orange think... hair. She's got like a oh, pink okay. ribbon yeah, in it. Okay, it's the ribbon that's been throwing me. Because I've yes. seen her character artwork. That's what I'm remembering. But yeah, orange hair, orange eyes, pink ribbon. But anyway, since Naoya isn't there, he instead gives Yuzu gives you these devices called comps, which conveniently look like Nintendo DSs, 3DSs in the overclock version. So Atsuro tries to... promotion uh, anyone? <laughs> I know. Astounding. So Atsuro notices that they're locked, and they're also... They have a homebrew program of some sort he can't quite figure out, so he spends some time trying to unlock them. After a while, he does unlock the things, and suddenly a strange program initiates, and demons come out of the comps. The demons attack them, and when you defeat them, they become your demon. You can summon them, and from then on, uh, you can act, you can uh, summon more demons, though, rather than capturing them, or like in typical Megami Tensei fashion, uh, conversing with them, you have to you actually buy them through auctions, the uh, devil's auction, in order to get more, and then you can also fuse them. But yeah, that's kind of getting that's kind of more gameplay. Anyway, after the conversation with the demons, there's a strange explosion. And as you find out later on, that somehow caused the, uh, all the electricity in the area to go out. They're trying to find their way out, but it gets too dark. There are demons, other demons wandering about, so they have to stay overnight within the area. They're currently in what's called the Yamanote Circle. It's like a large section of Tokyo, where the Yamanote line is, a, I believe, a train line of some sort. So as they wake up, they find out that the whole area has been locked down. Supposedly, a strange poison gas was released by the explosion. And everybody must stay in, lest, I guess, the poison gas kill them. But how is, it's... How is the lockdown enforced? How is the lockdown enforced? Pretty much at every single... Like, every single... Um, all along the, the Amantisoka, they just have all these blockades. Somehow, within a day, they got, like, the entire SDF force to unlock like, the barricades and keep the whole area locked down. Nobody is allowed through. Well, you know, Japan's <laughs> SDF doesn't have anything better to do, since it's supposedly a pacifist nation. Why not? Indeed. Although later on you do find out that they're backed by some powerful forces, but that's for later. So at first, uh, the gang tries to figure out a way to get out of the lockdown. Although most of their searches prove fruitless, and every so often they have to fight off some crazed demons. Also, that same morning, you get they get this email called the Laplace Mail. Which Actually, no, it's not the morning. That actually starts the day before, after they unlock the, uh, the quote-unquote, the comps. It seems to predict the future. And so they use these... To, in order to fig- in order to get around it, supposedly the emails say that they will die, and if they can defeat the uh, whatever it's going to kill them, they obviously won't die. And they also the uh, the main character can see a number above everybody's heads. The number deter- is determined to be how many days they have left to die, and everybody in a circle only has at most seven days. Why does this slightly remind me of the Final Destination idea? Uh, anything the idea? It's kind of funny because it somewhat coincides with a game released around the same time. Uh, the world ends with you, but yeah, that's beside the point. <laughs> In any case, as they try to get out, of, they try to get out of the lockdown. Eventually, it just proves pretty, but it just proves pretty fruitless. And slowly over time, they uncover the real reason behind it and a different sort of reason for why the demons are there. It seems that at the same time, there is a strange war going on between the demons called the the War of Bell over the throne of Bell. Bell is the uh, king of the demons, a very power, and certain demons that are. That are granted the name of Bell are fighting for each other, 
are fighting each other, I should say. And the ones that get defeated, their power goes to the winning demon, and eventually they'll become king of the demons. And this demon, Bell, will is hoping to challenge God, who is, it never appears in the game itself, but it gets mentioned a lot. Hey, Alex. Alex. Oh, Cassandra, that sounds exciting. <laughs> All okay. Right. You know, sorry, sorry, a bit, bit, off, bit off the game there. Yeah, you know, Alex, a uh, little. I, I give that one a five out of ten. I think you need a little backup. I think you need to help with this. So uh, to help get help get your back on the Cassandra Ramos show to make sure that there's enough cheerleading going on, we've got the venerable Michael Apps. Oh, it's me! It's me! It's the D O double G. That's right. I, I, I mean um, A E P P S. That's right. The A double P S. Ready to cheer on the C A double S A N D R N A. Right? Woohoo! All right, go ahead, Cassandra. Now you got two people to cheer you on. Great. Okay. So, where, where was I? Oh, right. So, as f- hard as the tri- kids try, they can't seem to get out. So, they thought the first thing they do is just try to lift the lockdown, try to find a way to get the demons to go away because it doesn't look like there's any way that they're going to escape. They do have many options beforehand, but until they get there, they have to go through. Like, various events happen. Uh, they meet various other characters. Uh, you have Midori, who's a 15-year-old cosplayer. Kind of overly cheery and a little too, ju- like, very justice crazy, I should say. And this, uh, most of the time, she just kind of runs around acting like a hero, although that gets her in trouble because, well, she tries to save, a mu- tries to save people using demons. Most of them think she's the one summoning the demons. And eventually she's just kind of forced to say, okay, fine, I'm not going to run around saving people like that out in the open. But before she gets there, she nearly gets herself killed at least twice. Another one is Keisuke, who is a friend of Atsuro. He's a very morose character. That's where the guy has exactly two expressions. Depressed and I'm going to freaking kill you. Regardless, he's at first so, he's kind of, yes. So instead of being depressed, he veers to homicidal and then goes back to depressed again. Essentially, like he doesn't really have a happy pose or even a particular sad pose. Just kind of like, but yeah. This sounds like someone you want to keep a close eye upon. Yes, you do, because this guy also, like this guy, nearly gets himself killed as well. And in fact, if you do the wrong things, he can get killed in a pretty darn gruesome way. And if this game were like if this game weren't using sprites, would probably get it. I swear, would probably get an M rating. But regardless, uh, he joins at first for he joins for a while. At first, he's scared of the party because he sees that they have like very fewer days than everybody else. And then after he sees that you've managed to change your fate, he decides to, you know, he feels apologetic, and then he decides to join you mostly to help Midori, since he finds out that she's going to that she would die pretty shortly. Although he later finds out that's because it's partly her own fault and partly because people are attacking her back, think, mistaking her for the ones summoning the demons. So he goes in a bit of a homicidal rage going around judging people with a demon called Yama. And uh, there's uh, various other characters. You have uh, you have a former... Let's see here. Uh, you have Amane Kuzuryu. She's the uh, daughter and the maiden of a cult called the Shomonkai. Uh, you have Mari, who is the... She's a, a school nurse and a former tutor of Atsuro, you have Kaido, who is a gang member, and you have Jin, who runs a bar. You have Haru, she's a indie uh, rock singer who has a, plays a pretty important role in the story, and there's a couple others. Do we get to hear any samples of her musical work? Are we just supposed to take that she's a rock singer on Faith? Uh, you sorta, kinda. There's a, there's 
in the overclock version, she sings a short snippet, which is basically an English version of the uh, of the of the main opening theme. You could perhaps take me that opening. Th- I don't think that theme's supposed to be sung by her because uh, it's not supposed to be her voice. The over the overclock ver- opening theme is completely different and is apparently sung by Haru's Japanese voice actor. And you also hear a song if you during one of the endings, although it's almost entirely instrumental. So go figure. Okay, well, so this mm-hmm. well, these are not systems that I expect great vocal performances of musically on. Well, I mean, I guess as long as you wear headphones, but regardless. <laughs> but anyway, so I'll, yeah, sorry. Oh, I, I'm trying to remember if I played enough of Elite Beat Agents to remember how well this, the music came through, and I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, as uh, going back to Throne of Bell, the reason that the main character gets involved is because he. Has, he, if, he ends up killing Belder, who's supposed to be the uh, uh, the Norse called Balder, but they had to change it to Belder so it fit with the whole Bell thing. They actually had to tweak a few demon names to make that make sense, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But and after defeating Balder, he basically he becomes a candidate for the throne of Bell unintentionally. Though later you find out not entirely unintentional. So eventually they have they come down to various decisions that he has to make on the at the end of the sixth day. There are five endings, as I recall, and you, which one picks which character you, you want to essentially go with. Uh, one and one is pr- probably the easiest path, and also more or less a bad ending is called the Yuzu path, where she says that despite all this, she still wants to try to find a way to run away. The other, if you agree to go with Naoya and to become the king of Bell. The king of demons, so that way he can order the demons to lift the lockdown and eventually fight God. There is the Amane path, or the Amane route, where, because since since the uh, main protagonist is also a he's sort of, he's sort of a reincarnation of Abel, of the Cain and Abel story. Or at least Ooh, he, yeah. we're getting into loaded stuff here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Although he's already, he contains a part of him, apparently, supposedly Abel. Was the was supposed to be the like a sort of messiah figure, but he was killed too early. But parts of him had gone to various people throughout the world, and one of those parts is in your main, is in the main character. So because of that, he can become the messiah. So he beco- if he becomes the king of Bell, but he submits himself to God, then the demons will be forever subjugated to God. So that way he could bring a whole new you know everlasting peace to the world and such. And there, are t- there are two neutral routes. There's the one. There's one called the uh, the Atsuro route. Basically, have you finding a way to control the demons completely and utterly, not just you know little by little by individual comps, but completely controlling them. And the other is the uh, the Jin route or the Jin and Haru route, where you have to find the song that Haru can sing in order to completely send all the demons away. <clears throat> and depending on which one of those routes you go on, you. Most of them end up you killing the rest of the bells, facing the last boss, which is Babel, which is the actual demon summoning program in the form of a massive tower monster Cthulian thing. And after that, uh, well, whichever decision you make is a decision you make. And I don't know, should I go into the overclocked or should I just save that for a little later? Let's save overclocked for a little bit since I think it's time for Alex and Mr. Apps to cheerlead. <laughs> Woohoo! That was exciting. <laughs> Great job, Cassandra. <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm glad you went through all that because I was having trouble remembering some of the character names. Yeah, we we can adjust it as needed for overclocked. But right now, you fellows have comments that you would like to add to this story before we finish her off. 
Um, I think the one thing I would say is sort of each of the how each of the routes have sort of different requirements. So I think some of them are considerably easier to get than others. Mm-hmm. And some it's yeah, it could be pretty darn. <laughs> easy to not realize what you just did right so the next time you play through you're just like hey wait why didn't i get that route again it's it's rather strange yeah unsurprisingly you use one as the one you can definitely get it is yeah it's pretty much the only yeah no matter what you do you always get the easy route in fact if you literally do the absolute worst thing which is let haru get killed at one point i think by the third chapter then that's that. That's the only you know, that may be the only route you get. Although if you're pretty savvy, you can also get the Atsuro route too. That does sound like a lot more endings than I remember Devil Survivor Two having. But that's another story entirely. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. Um. Yeah. N- nothing quite like joining the ranks of demon kind to go take on God, is there? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty interesting experience although so is essentially becoming the king of demons so you can subject yourself to god or if you prefer hey let's take the human route and try to restore things back to normal Mm. well i will say this um you're not gonna play a ton of games that have quite the story like this one well the taking on god aspect i seem to remember being in a couple of earlier megami tensei titles but we didn't get those over here at least no well you never get to fight god himself he never even makes an appearance just a couple of mentions but you oh oh some some supreme deity right there you can't even be bothered to show up when you're fighting in his name or against him (laughs) (laughs) although overclock list you fight the next the sort of kind of next best thing what saint peter and no it's a metatron (laughs) oh okay sure Oh, but yeah, one thing I especially liked here is how they really, really did the tension very well. It's like at first things are pretty okay, so there's a lockdown, but they're probably going to let us out in a day or two. There's no electricity, but it's the summer, so we'll be fine for a little bit. But slowly over time, you just see people get more and more desperate. There are these strange demons around. They're killing people. There are people that can control the demons, and they're just getting like they're just they're just getting more and more desperate. They want to get out. Some people are planning on attacking the SDF. And then you find out that the angels were behind the lockdown the whole time, the because they're trying. Yeah, because they're sort of trying to stop uh, the Shoman Kai who created the comps. Yeah, they're the ones behind the comps the whole time who want to do. Supposedly they created the comps in order to start the throne of Bell, so they can get their chosen demon, which is Belbereth, to become the king of Bell and thus take on God and free humanity from God's ordeals. Of course, they, ironically enough, bring on God's ordeals by creating these comps because God doesn't like humans playing around with demons too much. Well, I I don't think we want to try and analyze too much of the religious imagery oh. or symbolism here. I wasn't that trying. Was just, just all freaking night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they really did that. But yeah, they did tension quite well. Yeah, just uh, a lot about this story is done very well. Tension, uh, the fact that, you know, people can and will die. Um. Uh. Just and like the final chapters and everything. Just uh. Yeah. Needless to say, uh. I wasn't continuing to play this game just for the awesome combat. Definitely wanted to see how things ended up, mm-hmm. which I think is the case in a lot of Shimagami Tensei games. You know, we've come to expect a lot, a lot of good, uh, in story, and this one I would say definitely delivers. 
Yeah, the characters are pretty done well, too. Uh, there's The way they have the uh, story itself section, they're like in these little 30-minute uh, scenes. And you can also see various things with different characters. So if you go... And you can't see them all at once since you only have a certain number of hours in a day. So you can find out a little bit more about each of them. They'll usually divulge a bit about their past. And they'll cha- it might change slightly depending on your own choices made. For instance, like Keisuke, he's... You know, you see him, he's pretty shy and withdrawn. When he sees people being unjust, he goes completely berserk. And then later when you make him realize that what he's been doing is no different than the people he's killing, he kind of goes into a bit of a heroic BOSD and then stops entirely. He kind of relents and then rejoins your group. Or again, you can basically have him unintentionally face one of the guys, face Kaido, because he killed some of Kaido's gang members and gets, again, very horrendously killed. You see uh, Midori become, you know, go from being sort of perky to being too much of a do-gooder to sort of relenting and realizing, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't act so cheerful like this. And Haru is a very interesting character. Poor girl, you know, she, poor girl's actually pretty depressed and she's convinced that she might have been the cause of the whole lockdown. You have to convince her that she isn't or else she'll commit suicide by cop. And that pretty much opens up all, not only opens up all the other endings, but, well, you know, she's a nice character. You don't want it. Suicide by cop, just charging the SDF and... Yes, and they'll they shoot her. It's basically, okay. because she thinks, oh no, I did all this, I should kill myself. She's pretty darn depressed, and you have to show her that, no, you're not going to leave her, no, this is not her fault, and no, nobody else is going to leave her, because she has some abandonment issues, poor girl. And especially if you go on, do the Jin and Haru route, you see her become, you know, more confident and... You know, just a, you know, far, you know, I guess so, just more confident. So, yeah, this, this it's a pretty good story. There's a lot to it. And all the endings, like, well, most, it's, um, like, that kind of goes into overclock, so maybe I'll just leave that off. Okay, anything, uh, so anything else that any of y'all want to talk about regarding the characters or stories of the game before we move on to some of the other elements? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So yeah, we know it's story. deep, it's exciting, but did you feel engaged with the characters? Did you feel drawn to him? Did you love them as much as you love Cassandra? <laughs> yes. Not quite, not quite that much. <laughs> <laughs> that was the correct answer. Great job. I've improved on my first outing. That's a good one. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like the characters. I think Cassandra's already gone through. And I think, yeah, Harry's a really good, engaging character who, if you kill, you are a complete jackass <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure a few people did that because the jackass tendency is out there well it's and... not like you don't intentionally kill her you just kind of do it's... something else when you're supposed to be stopping her from killing herself because yeah, it, it, it can be to screw that up <laughs> okay, that does remind me of Devil Survivor 2 where you, yeah, like you said you only have a limited amount of time in the day and every time you talk to somebody you take some of that time away and you can't talk to everybody so if she's not your priority, then, oops, she wound up dead because I wasn't talking to her that day. Oh, does that more or less work? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, and yeah, not just her, also for Keisuke. I think can it, I think he might even get Midori unintentionally killed. Jin can get unintentionally killed. Yeah, all of them can be. <laughs> so you need to be really on the ball with keeping people in the loop and keeping yourself right there as a sounding board, or else people will get themselves killed, sounds like. Mm-hmm. So this is a relationship counselor in some kind of way. Sort of, I guess. 
Well, you know, people get really down when, you know, there's demons around and the world is collapsing. You're all locked down, not even any electricity. Yeah, I can see that having a bad effect on any given population nowadays. doesn't have to be Tokyo. You could do that in L.A., and I don't think people would be very happy if you took their power away. (laughs) Except for prisoners, who would be very, very happy that you have shut down the electrically enabled security systems that keep them in the prisons. Hmm. Now that I've thrown that idea into the listeners' brains, let's move on. (laughs) So, uh, I think we're ready to move on to combat, huh? Mm-mm-mm. Doesn't this game differ just a teeny tiny bit from the standard turn-based, uh, party-based uh, combat that I've come to expect from the Shin Megami Tensei series? <laughs> yes and no. Who would like to talk about it? Well, we all know whose show it is. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Yes, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I don't know, that that was almost an opening if, say, we wanted to give Cassandra a well-deserved rest so that she can take a drink or something. Isn't this the one, I swear I played this game before, some of the stuff y'all are saying, you know, it's, it's like, it's like uh, grid-based, right? I actually get a grid to work with? Yes, yes, you it's a, it's a high, it's a sort of hybrid between the, uh, the I guess the press turn combat system in uh, newer Megami Tensei games and a strategy RPG. Though admittedly the strategy RPG elements are pretty light. You know, there's no back attacking. There's no weapons to equip. There's just you know you're moving up to four characters on a grid, and each human char- usually human character you get one demon character who joins you as a sort of special hidden character, Black Frost, and they're. Each of these are flanked by two demons that you get through either fu- through either buying through the uh, the demon auction or by through fusion, and you engage each of these units is like an individual uh, like party I suppose of three characters, and then you have them fight other usually demons on the field. Sometimes there are also human character human uh, enemy NPCs with that are flanked by demons. Even sometimes groups of three humans, although these are usually just c- civilians that you don't want to kill. So, so I want you, the listening audience, to just wrap your mind around what Cassandra <laughs> just said for just a minute. What we've got is typical tactical-based combat, like what you might see in a Final Fantasy Tactics. But you combine this with party-based combat because each character that you're moving on the map actually has a couple of demons flanking them. And so when you're exchanging blows with the bad guys, you, you know, as you say, okay, this character's going to attack that enemy over there, it's all three jumping in. Your mind just got blown. Boom. <laughs> you know, I have to say here that this concept is kind of like archaic sealed heat, except done better. Because <laughs> archaic sealed heat got really, really boring really fast due to a horrible lack of enemy variety. And just, uh, you know what? Let's just say that it does archaic sealed heat one, two, maybe three better and leave it there. Well, is there anything you won't fault with Megami Tensei? It's having enemy variety. <laughs> Plenty of that for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's what's cool about this combat system too is you know you don't just walk up to enemies and then you know have the standard Shin Megami Tensei combat. Uh, there's also abilities you can use outside of that, like afflict status ailments on enemies or cure uh, another team, or eventually you get like ranged attacks. So 
you can kind of have your own turn against another team without them being able to attack back at all unless they also have ranged characters. So although it's relatively simple at first, it, it adds a lot, and you know by the end, there's a lot of strategy involved, and yes. it can be quite difficult. And uh, also, what's interesting here is uh, your characters themselves um, don't have any set skills, um, so you can kind of like uh, trying to remember how you get the skills. Yeah, you have skill to... cracking. Yeah, skill yeah. cracking. You have to defeat okay. demons that have the skill, and then they you can give that to your human characters. Yeah, and they're I, completely customizable. I yeah, mostly you have to. So most recently I played two. I couldn't remember if it was the same in one. Yeah, so it was the same in one. Okay. Well, that uh, also sounds familiar from two, but uh, we'll save that. Yeah. I, I, will, I will have more to say when we get to two most <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so you, you have to mark uh, certain enemies for each character, and if they defeat that enemy, you get the skill. And so before starting a battle, you can set a certain number of skills on each character. Uh, and there's really a lot of strategy involved there, um, you know, uh, depending on the stats of your character. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get, maybe if it's uh, someone with a high st- strength, you'll give them some like attack skills. Maybe somebody with who might be better with magic, use some magic skills. And there's also like uh, resistance skills, so maybe you can give a uh, character will reflect physical attacks, things like that. So you know, it's not just combat itself that requires a strategy you really have to you know kind of take a look at what you might run into in the upcoming battle and really think about what skills you want on each character what you may need and you know maybe what skills might be useless you know you may uh, you know obviously sometimes you may fail a battle and then realize okay there's a lot of characters with resistance to this skill so I won't use that when I I won't have that on anyone when I try it again. So it could be maybe a little trial and error at times, but you know a lot of the time you just have to think carefully about what you're equipping on each character. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that so you can only equip a skill on one character, so you can't. Oh uh, yeah, I've, you can't give yeah. everyone the same skill. Yep. You can't have everybody with fire dance and fire amp. Only one character can get that. Yeah. So you know if you're fighting a there's a battle with a lot of enemies that use physical attacks you can't equip every just equip everyone with reflect physical attacks and you know just cheese your way through the battle but you do get like physical drain physical you know physical repel and physical was it block block resist i think it's usually is it null no which cuts it in half null which completely prevents it drain which heals you and reflect which does exactly what it sounds like yeah so you could do that if you wanted to be crafty and uh, the demons themselves are a little less easy to customize than the humans, but with a little extra effort, it basically involves a lot of chain fusion to get the right skills that you want on them. Also, during the fight itself, there's an invisible meter uh, called magnetite. You get it through performing like good actions during battle, like defeating enemies quickly and not taking damage and such, although you never know exactly how much you have at a time. Once that meter fills, you can put any of the skills that a human has cracked onto a demon. So you could literally give a demon any skill that you want. Uh, an attack skill, mind you. It can't be a passive skill. And also, each demon race, there are like different groups of demons, like dragon types and uh, bird demons, uh, de- what they call deities or goddesses and such. 
and each of them has a special race, uh, racial skill that is unique to that race. For example, the dragons get uh, evil wave, which allows them to attack from two spaces away. The goddesses get a very powerful healing spell. And there's a wilder types, which are like these like strange uh, monster animal demons that allow you to move a lot extra spaces. And you'll all, almost always want a wilder on on maybe w at least one of your characters, if not more of them, because it's very useful to get to use the uh, to use that skill to move across the battlefield, especially when you're protecting uh, civilians. Because there's a lot of times we have to prevent civilians from getting killed, and if you don't hurry there, they're going to get killed because mm -hmm. enemies will invariably target them. Yeah, escort missions. Yeah, loads of fun. And oh yeah, also they're press turns, so it's it's the press turn system. So by using an enemy's weakness, you can give yourself an extra turn or take an extra turn away from an enemy, and likewise the enemies can do that to you. You also get extra turns for um, for getting critical hits, and if you're fat, and it, and depending on your speed, I believe as well. So that there's about a bit of strategy to that too. So yeah, lots of lots and lots of strategy required. Mm -hmm. so lots of customizing too. Pretty fun. Yes. So this is not really for the strategy averse. And it could be a pretty brutal game too, especially in your first playthrough. After like your fifth, it pretty much anything becomes a cakewalk. But <laughs> you get that when you have like level eighty demons, I suppose. Yeah. How much do you get to keep between playthroughs? On the original game, you could you could send over all of your demons. Overclock changes things, unfortunately. But yeah, the original game you could send all your demons. So you have something at level sixty after for the first playthrough. After one, the next playthrough, we could get up twenty levels, and then after a while, you can get them all ridiculously powerful. Though you will want that for the hardest challenge in the in the game, Lucifer. I still haven't beaten it. <laughs> that actually sounds appropriate. I would not expect <laughs> Lucifer to be a cakewalk. <laughs> <laughs> or. Under whatever name he could go, he could go by Beelzebub. He could go by oh, Satan. He no, could those are by... those are different demons. This is oh, right, right, right. And Beelzebub is in this game, though he's called Belzebul, and he's one of the Bell demons. Prince of Suppose, Darkness. Yeah, he's uh, the the right hand of darkness. He works for Lucifer. <laughs> he's a giant fly, and he's pretty nasty because he basically has a, a special status ailment, which has him lay eggs on you, and then when the oh. eggs hatch. They cause oh, a lot of damage. They're nasty. Oh, God, I just remembered that battle. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. <laughs> You're causing flashbacks, Cassandra. I'm sorry. I just, no, I just okay. remembered how No, no it's, it's Mr. Rapp's own fault for getting into that situation in the first place. Otherwise, there would be nothing to flash back to. <laughs> it was really, really awesome to actually finish that battle, though, because it's really nasty. Yeah, I just get rid of this thing. Eh. And those things cause a lot of damage, too, when they hatch out of your character. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say we're getting to the part which is the, I think my biggest complaint against the game is it's horrendous difficulty spikes. <laughs> yes, yes. I never managed group. to complete it due to some horrendous difficulty spikes on the seventh day mm -hmm. when I was playing overclocked. So well, that obviously has afterwards. no biblical parallel whatsoever because we know God rested on the seventh day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <But> <laughs> Yeah, and what's especially annoying is on, on a, at least in an original game on the first playthrough, there is a cap to how much experience points you can get. So you could try to grind, but you just will get so little experience points, you're either going to spend forever doing it, or you're just going to stop and try your best. I mean, event eventually I just found the right strategies for it, but, you know, some less patient people may not just be able to get through it, or 
know, maybe I was just lucky. But yeah, that first playthrough was pretty darn brutal, and trying to grind does not help. On Overclocked and on uh, New Game Pluses for the original game, on Overclocked you can choose Easy Mode, which allows you to always get all the experience points, no, no EXP cap. And for New Game Pluses, that EXP cap is lifted. Except an overclock where you have to get that as a special bonus type thing. <laughs> I wish I'd said that one. Tried easy mode. Oh well. I'm kind of wishing yeah. that we had gotten the 3DS version of 2 because that probably had the same enhancements, but we. It's, that, yeah, it's not that, out in Japan. It yeah, hasn't come right. out yet. That's why we haven't heard hide nor hair of it because it was delayed in Japan. Yeah. So it's not. It, it well, is Atlas's fault, but not because Japan got it first. <laughs> well, okay. That, that does explain a lot. We will, just like we probably won't hear anything about Etrian Odyssey 2 Remake until it comes out in Japan, we probably won't hear anything about this until it comes yeah, out in Japan. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. No I was one's... actually kind of, yeah. I was kind of hoping they would release that before this backtrack happened, but... Eh. Though, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're getting ahead of ourselves again. That's, that's <laughs> Devil Survivor 2 talk. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sorry, and I, and I instigated it. I am, I am filled with shame now. All right. I, I, will, I will find some way to purge the shame. Uh, by thoroughly derailing our talk. Uh, <laughs> that is a very excellent way to purge shame. All right. So, yeah, basically, this the first playthrough can be... Like, difficult spikes are annoying and can't be difficult to get through. Lucifer is a pain, and Satan is actually not in this game. He's in the next game. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to talk about that until Devil Server 2, because then I can talk. And boy, will I have he's, things to say. He's in two? Where is he yeah, in Satan two? is in two. And Lucifer is in two as well, but mm. Satan is not so, in the first game. Mm. So Lucifer and Satan are separate entities. Yes, because this goes by, it's it, it kind of goes by the Old Testament. as a, a Satan is a actually works for God in the Megami Tensei verse. He's his judge. And Lucifer is a, you know, is, is you know pretty much according to, uh, you know, the whole fallen angel thing. But yeah, they're two separate entities. Yeah, as I remember, Lucifer was the other son of God. Is Jesus in here anywhere? No, actually. <laughs> and neither is Muhammad or Buddha, but we're, getting, we're seriously getting derailed here. Yeah, Jesus, at least we can justify if we're going to have Lucifer. But uh, Muhammad, that is an entirely different... Let's not go there. <laughs> we, we don't want to try and offend any more people than we've already no doubt done. Uh, so, difficulty challenges. Before the seventh day, is it noticeable? Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I think there's a couple of tougher fights, but it's not the punishing challenge that sort of always just comes in on the seventh day. That that is the most noticeable ones by far, I think. Yeah, you okay. can have a bit of a you can have a bit of a challenge against uh, Belder, the the uh, one of the Bell Demons, the first one that you fight, I believe, on the third day. Again, he's supposed to be Balder. He's com- he's quote unquote immortal, although just like in the, the myth, uh, he can only be hurt by a by the uh, the devil's feud, which is mistletoe. So much of that much of that day has to be spent trying to find a piece of mistletoe, and you get one by buying like a cell phone strap charm made out of mistletoe wood. And and so you have to act only your only the player character can hurt him by presumably using a cell phone to punch him with the charm. I don't know how that works. And if you want to, and it's really annoying if you decide to make your character focus largely on magic and completely not work on uh, physical, then you'll be doing pitiful damage. And you may not even be able to win because uh, he can, I believe he can heal himself using a special skill. So if you don't, you know, if you don't do enough damage to counteract that healing, too bad for you. 
So yeah. yeah, obviously you should have been looking at a fact for a long time so that you could build your character yeah. in anticipation of this fight. Yeah, so it's just like if you want to make a magical, at least give like I'd say twelve to fifteen points of physical onto your character, a physical damage, like physical strength onto your character, and then you can focus on magic because builder will be a trip if you don't. But yeah, otherwise nothing too difficult. Uh, well, difficult, but not like seventh day difficult. Though again, builder <laughs> could give you a run for your money. Sounds that way. Sounds like anybody who's looking for a game where the blood pressure will not have to rise due to freaky difficulty instances should not necessarily apply. Yeah. Well, sounds like we're winding down. Are we ready to talk about Overclocked? Yeah, I, I so. think that's a good point to move on to that one. I mean, from what Cassandra said, Overclocked resolves a few of the issues you had with the original version, Alex. Oh, I, I was playing Overclocks. Oh, okay, sorry. I, 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 just did, I, did, I just didn't select those options on the start. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not an easy street like some <laughs> staff members. Not, not like our staff uh, boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I understand it, like if there's a way to really make the game easier, you can basically purposely choose the Yuzu route on the first route, so then that way you could do New Game Plus for the other routes. And Overclocked actually makes the Yuzu route a lot less like it. It, it stops being the bad end. You're an idiot for trying to escape instead of fixing this. And makes it into what I'd argue to be the most neutral of the three neutral, of two, now three neutral routes. So, should I just continue talking about the updates to the routes then? Well, yeah, I think uh, the. Yeah, I, I think we're ready. Eighth day content, yep. Yes, so, yeah. So, yeah, for Overclocked, it introduces an eighth day. Not every route gets an eighth day, but three of them do the Yuzu route, the Naoya route, and the Amane route. On the user route, normally how the game, normally how the user route ends is that um, if you if they escape from there, you're afraid that the government might basically fry everybody in the uh, Yamanote circle by using these strange device by using these strange like electromagnetic devices. But they can't because the demons have also escaped through the escape route you've taken. So they can't justify killing everybody if they can't even kill all the demons that prevent them from escaping. So at first it seemed like, oh no, I've just let demons escape into the real world and now things are going to... And also God's not going to be too happy about that and things are just going to go to hell. On the Yuzu route, however, at first the party tries to, you know, escape, reunite for their families, but they find out that they're trying to be being tracked down from the government. And then they also learn of all the, the terrible things going on. Because people have failed God's ordeal, he has become a lot stricter over humanity. And they're <clears throat> lording over them. So Yuzu, especially Yuzu, because it's basically her idea, starts being like, oh my God, what have I done? And she becomes <clears throat> more, like she basically says, we need to stop this. We need to return everything back to normal. So as she tries to get, they try to get back into the Yamanote circle so they can try to find some way to stop this, to stop the demons. And see, at first, people get sick of like the angel's heart's treatment of everybody. So when some people go out saying, no, we don't need you lording over us like this, eventually the angels say, okay, you don't need our help anymore? Fine. You're never going to get God's help anymore. And they all disappear, leaving the world with only humans and demons. And there's like, oh, like people are freaking out, except for Naoya, because Naoya's pretty happy. He doesn't like God. And part of the reason he created the comps was because he was hoping he could make his cousin into the king of bells so he could fight God and defeat him. And he's like, okay, not quite going to my plan, but humanity rejected God and he's no longer ruling over us. Great. And, but everyone else is kind of freaking out over that. Eventually, though, Yuzu tries to, uh, decides we should take down um, 
Belbereth, the leader of the demons, since you, you didn't defeat him like you should in the other roots. So instead, he's still, he's a lot more powerful. Well, not that much more powerful, but he is more powerful than he was in if, on a, if you threw a normal playthrough. And if you stop him, you can at least try to slow down the demons. There's also a sort of a sub route you can go through. If you find Jin, he'll have a demon with him called Takemikazuchi. And if you bring him to the four devas, which are these uh, guardian deity demons that uh, protect barriers over Tokyo, if you bring him, bring them Takemikazuchi, he can become uh, a new, like a, a new member of the group since there were originally four of them. But, but one of them was killed by the Shomonkai so that they could weaken the barrier between the human world and the demon world to make the comps work. If you don't do that, you get a slightly, you get a worse ending where it basically takes humanity forever to stop the other demons. If you do do it, then they quickly mop up it after defeating Belbereth. So after you do all that, you defeat Belbereth and everything. It's it's either a little better or not quite as better, depending on whether or not you bring Takamikazuchi to the four, uh, to the, the, what are they called? The Heavenly Kings? I can't quite remember. So yeah, that's the new Yuzu route. And for the, let me see here. For the Amane route, which is the last one I played through, uh, well, you become the Messiah, you do find out that not every demon is quite under your control, just a lot of them. There are different courts of demons, and you also find out that sort of local, like, guardian deities of different countries may not necessarily respect your authority, including the ones that rule over Japan. You find out that uh, Okunuinushi, which is a very powerful Japanese deity, is very upset that you're, if you basically, Japan has become subjugate to a foreign god so he gives you an ultimatum you have to try to redeem Naoya since he was basically since uh he was rejected by god he's the reincarnation of Cain by the way so Cain and Abel oh no that's one reason why he's really mad at god and if you don't redeem him then Okuninushi will destroy Japan and create it anew you try to find ways to get Naoya to redeem of course he's not willing to you decide to try to fight Okuninushi yourself to stop him, and Naoya basically helps you with that fight, and Okuninushi says, okay, so... Realizes, okay, so at least you're making him willing to, uh... <clears throat> you know, make him willing to fight for you, so maybe you're not so bad, and he decides to let you, the messiah, you know, rule over Japan, and, um... You know, that ends happily, at least. Nobody else dies there. On the, uh, on the uh, Naoya route, to become the uh, king of Belv, you can also get two different paths there. You can either either be merciful to humans. You can because they're all after you. Since God basically tells everybody, you know, kill this guy. If you don't, then you know bad things will happen because he's the king of the demons. And you could choose to either spare those humans or you could choose to kill them. I've never actually gone the kill everybody route because you know I don't really like that very much. But if you go the sparing humans route, you make them realize, you know, you're not such a bad guy. Sure, you're the king of demons, but you're sparing our lives. And you know what? These angels are kind of jerks. And then, and then eventually, you get everyone to uh, rally behind you, the king, around you, the player character instead. And so, and so, God gets kind of worried. He sends down Metatron, which is one of the most powerful angels, and also called God's voice because he's supposedly like um, he's a uh, I don't know either way he's Metatron. And if you defeat him, he goes back. You know, he retreats back, and from then on, uh, the um, you know you, the king of Bell fight on a war against God, though of course that's off screen. That's kind of told to you in an email at the end. Yeah, it's kind of weird how life feels back to normal after that, despite the fact that there's literally a war in heaven. I can't see that having any earthly repercussions. Apparently it hasn't, at least not yet. <laughs> Certainly it wouldn't have any effect on, I don't know, where the dead go. Maybe they would just be clogging up Earth. Nobody um, would die. I don't know. 
Megami Tensei's kind of mum on that. I think people get reincarnated usually, but I don't know. Yeah, it all depends on which mythology you're bothering, you're borrowing mm-hmm. from. But so yeah, that's the overclocked routes. The other, the other, the other two, the the two other neutral routes, the uh, the one, the Atsura route and the Jin and Haru routes do not get eighth days, presumably because they're happy endings already. Either things get back to normal and now Japan controls demons, or things get back to normal and all the demons are gone. I can't see the rest of the Earth being at all affected by Japan's new control of demons. Well, that's the thing. At the very end of the Atsuro route, you do get an email from Metatron saying, okay, so the government so far has done okay with controlling demons, but if you try to abuse this of power, we'll be there. So, yeah. Yay. And I also, I believe on the uh, on the Jin route, the you also get an email saying that you, the player, still have the King of Bells power. So if you decide to abuse your power, they'll also come down and do bad things. Deploy heavenly wrath. Yeah, basically. And oh yeah, overclocked. Uh, one of the other big feature is com- almost complete full voice acting. Everything but the tiniest, most insignificant lines get voiced, and it is really good voice acting too. I call it fantastic, even. Mm-hmm. So much so that uh, going to two was a bit disappointing, just because it didn't have any voice acting, which would be another reason to that I really would like the updated version of that. But getting ahead, of, getting ahead again, getting ahead of ourselves again. Yeah, these are basically if you've ever you know if you played at most JRPGs in the past, I don't know, fifteen years or so, these voice act or even watched a lot of anime, these are going to be pretty familiar. But interestingly, they make a lot of slightly less uh, less common actors or less popular actors into the big roots, a big uh, uh, group, uh, big what am I saying? Roles, and to kind of give them more mate, like the more well known ones, more minor roles. Uh, Yuzu is voiced by uh, Melissa Fawn. Uh You might, well, yeah, Melissa Fawn. I don't know if you know her. You've got Atsuro. Is, well, Spike Spencer, I guess, is pretty well known. Uh, he did Shinji and uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. <laughs> He also did. Um, yeah, he's Ring a uh, Bell in. Uh, yeah, Ring yeah, a Bell. That was it. Yeah. In Bravely Default, uh, Melissa Fawn is. Uh, she's a Maribel in Fire Emblem Awakening. Okay, she's, uh, now... a, ta- she's a Tashikoma. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Actually, oh yeah, that's right. She is a Tashikoma. Uh, Nalia's voiced by uh, darn, what's his his name? Oh, Kyle Ibear. He's the voice of um, Frederick in Fire Emblem Awakening and Richter in Tales of Savonia: Dawn of the New World. Probably some other, a lot of other roles I'm forgetting right now. Uh, you have uh, Keisuke. I, actually, I don't know who voices Keisuke. I didn't able to find out who that guy is. Uh, you've got Midori is voiced by um, Aaron Fitzgerald, who also voices... Uh, what's her? Uh, the um, Emerin in Fire Emblem Awakening, and she also does Alan Yes in Bravely Default. Uh, Keisuke is Doug Eholtz. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't actually know what he did. Uh, you have... Oh, yes. Poor Anya. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, Midori is, Midori is actually pretty, has a, it's an appropriate annoying voice, but it's still kind of an annoying voice. <laughs> She's, you know, the overly cheery 15-year-old who likes to cosplay, so it fits, but she might grate on you after a while. She's the only one, though. And uh, who else? Oh, yeah. Um, Kaido is voiced by uh, Travis Willingham, who is probably best known as Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, you have uh, a character like a like a strange NPC that pops up frequently called the he's just called the Gigolo. You find out later that he's the demon Loki. He's voiced by uh, Dick Mignogna, who's Edward Elric from 
from Full Metal Alchemist. And then you also get like Johnny Young Bosch doing random cops or random, you know, office workers, <laughs> you know, such as following a popular actor like him. But yeah, they're all pretty, they all do an excellent, these are all people you've heard before, but they all do an excellent job. Oh, and uh, Haru is uh, Amanda Wynn Lee, who is Lucia from the first Luminous Art game. Uh, and, I think yeah, she's, she's, always, she's, she's also Raya Nami, isn't she? She's also, oh yes, 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 yes. And uh, it, she does it fantastically as Haru. I mean, she's just, you know, she hear that slight sarcasm, that hint of sadness in her voice. It, she does it really well. They all do. Yes, it's a really, really impressive uh, voice cast. Well, especially for 3DS, which I still don't yeah. think of that as a, as a platform that's necessarily going to see a lot of voice acting, just because it usually doesn't. Well, yeah. it, have, you guys, have you guys seen the new Kickstarter that's out? Uh-uh. No, huh? no, check it out. It just, please, please specify, Phil. It, there are yeah, a lot of Kickstarters every day. <laughs> yeah, but this is like the this is like the one everyone's talking about. So I, I just thought y'all were on board. Uh, they got Kickstarter going. Started a few weeks ago. It's doing pretty well to uh, to get tracks trying to do another live show that they need the money to buy the rights for. No, no, this is to have this is to have the very famous, very popular, beautiful voice. Cassandra Ramos voiced what? the entire <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor series. You know, it's just her reading every single line of every single character, and they're gonna like re-release it on the the over. They're gonna be like it's called it's called Devil Shin Megami something rather super overclocked. With, it would pay for her to go to L.A. Yeah, to record her. For however long it takes. It's to all covered. All it's all covered. Right. So, so Phil, so yeah. what are the uh, the backer rewards? Here? I'm so glad you asked. I think, I think you got to give us the tears here. You know, I'm so glad you asked. If you donate at least fifty dollars, of course, you're going to get a copy of the game. Okay, with Cassandra Ramos reading every single line. It's totally voice acted by her. Even all the guy lines. She just says it all. Like she has that range. She has I'd that rather range. let the professionals do it. Yeah, yeah. If, if you give but it, if, a... if you if this Kickstarter succeeds, Cassandra, you would be a professional. Yeah. You would be at a higher pay level than most of the professionals. If you pay at least a hundred dollars, okay, then I call you on Skype, okay, and you get to say that sounds awesome, Cassandra, and I insert that into the next RPG backtrack. When she says something, I insert your voice. You get to be on the same podcast. Virtually speaking, with Cassandra, how awesome is that? Wow! Probably, but you're talking to people who've already got that reward. Wow! Yeah. So stunned. <laughs> this is for other people. I mean, you guys, you guys get to do this every day because you know you're her, you're her permanent backup. Yay, Cassandra people! But you know, other people, people pay money to be in your positions, guys. You gotta look at the big picture here. For a thousand dollars, you get to actually have a one minute conversation with Cassandra almost herself over Skype. Does that, that sound like a sensible rate, Cassandra? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Phil. We might need to take that level up a bit. Mm. Sounds like $1,000 for a minute of her time is too low. Cassandra <laughs> is just that... Well, there's only there's only, there's only only 15 of those rewards available because she's, she's only got like 15 minutes to spare for the rest of us. So, yeah. You got to get in on this Kickstarter, man. It's totally cool and awesome, and I think for I think for like ten thousand dollars or something like that, you get the special cartridge where every time there's a cutscene with the characters, instead of the the anime drawn characters, it's pictures of Cassandra instead. Oh God, no! <laughs> 
These would be specially made cartridges, right? You know, if you guys will just let me finish drinking my chocolate vodka mix and ask me this question again in about an hour, I will have some more creative uh, tier levels for you. Perhaps we should move on to Devil yeah. Survival 2 before that happens. <laughs> wait, wait. All right. All right. Are we, we totally overclocked? Did we talk about everything? Well, there are new demons and new skills there. Oh, and actually, I did forget about the reward system they have for um, for new game pluses, which I think is a kind of a back, kind of a like a step backwards compared to the first game. On a new game plus for the first game, you get uh, you know the level ca- the uh, the experience cap is removed. You get all of your demons transferred over, and you know that's pretty cool. But for overclocked, you basically get special points for doing various things in the game. You get them from preventing characters from dying. You get them from getting certain roots. You get it from fighting certain bonus demons that are in the game. And you use these points by the, by the start of a new game plus to unlock things that used to be free. So you can only, like, for your first playthrough, you're only going to get a few points. So you can only transfer maybe one demon, no, oh, four demons instead of all your demons. And then maybe later you could transfer over eight demons or all of your demons. And then the experience cap you have to get separately. You have to unlock Lucifer separately instead of just being automatically unlocked on a new game plus. Like I said, it's a bit annoying for something that used to be free. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah. awesome, Cassandra. See, one, one thing I've actually noticed while Googling this is that I didn't realize it was mostly developed by people who worked on the Grey Lancer games. Oh. Hmm. Which, explains oh wow. sort of, which explains why it's sort of a different sort of take on strategy. Interesting. <laughs> Which Grow Lancers? Just curious. Uh, well, I think well, it was the. It's mostly developers who were in Career Soft, which I think developed all of them. Yeah, I, that's so probably it's, what it's, Messiah morphed into, right? Yeah, it's the sort of the same team, so. Hmm. And of course, I have yet to play a Grow Lancer, but when I do, I'll probably go through the entire series, and so a couple of them are in, still in Japanese. So what? I'll play them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I played one of them, but it was fun. I remember you were the one who reviewed it. Yes. That anyway, also has that also has some annoying difficulty spikes. That's mm, for another time. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, all right. Well, you know, Cassandra, she needs a little break because you know such excellence does rec- require a little break every now and then, so she can freshen up. So while she's doing that, we're gonna let you to listen to some excellent music from the series. I'm going to refill my glass full of vodka over here, and we'll be right back.
welcome back. We are, I mean, Cassandra is ready uh, to talk about, and we are ready to back her up. In regards to Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor 2, developed and published once again by our good friends and Atlas. And in the EU, this was also published by Ghostlight, apparently. This eventually. is... Eventually. Okay, yeah, this I, is... I, you know, I see yeah. it on the page there. It took a year and a half to get yeah. it. Got, got, they got around to it. It's, it's Yeah, that's point. an issue. I think partly because... I think originally they were going to... There's going to be a release sort of... They were looking at the... It was just after the 3DS version was announced that they announced they had it. I think there's sort of some debate about whether they wanted to wait or not. And uh-huh, considering... <laughs> probably just as probably just as well they didn't so much, but it sort of it pushed the release date back, and they had to sort of rely on enough people pre-ordering to actually release it. Mm. Uh, let's see. This was I, I uh, think you and several others, at least in the European area, are happy that waiting on the 3DS region did not become your only option, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although since this well, is actually a it's a DS game. game, yeah, I could have yeah. imported it so. Okay, so let me finish. Because these credentials are very important, and Cassandra herself has told me that she won't speak until the credits are fully read. This was released in North America on February 28, 2012, Japan, July 28, 2011, and the EU on October 18, 2013. <laughs> this is a Nintendo DS tactical RPG single-player experience. It may be eventually released on a 3DS. We'll see. Now Indeed. you can speak. After like Cassandra talks. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, going back to, like, as, you know, Apps mentioned earlier, going back to this was a little odd because, you know, like, we played this shortly after the 3DS version, which I did. And it's just like, you know, suddenly there's no voice acting, and suddenly, uh, the you know, sprite work isn't quite as good. I mean, the 3DS version, you know, is, is hardly the best the 3DS can do, and, and 3DS is exactly a graphical powerhouse, but, you know, later games will certainly look a lot better than Overclocked, but still, it's a it's a pretty big, it's a fairly big step backwards, and, well, but yeah, I mean... Really, which is really no fault of its own, because, no. you know, I'm sure it was in development before they probably even started on the update to mm-hmm. the original, so... But yeah, it, it's definitely... It's, it's definitely noticeable if you've just played the the update. And I well, guess those I, waiting I for say, the... Here's one thing I can say for with assurance. Some of the demon sprites used here, I saw just a year later in Soul Hackers. And that <laughs> game came out in the mid-90s. Atlas was clearly having a ball looking through all of its old products in order to make sure <laughs> let's let's make sure that everything gets a second chance <laughs> or third or, or fourth whatever yeah some of those sprites are also in um in uh what, what's it called um uh strange journey as well some of those almost exact same sprites yeah with another company we could accuse it of laziness but atlas deserves a little better i think uh, they certainly know how to make good assets and then use them a lot uh-huh. Which is fine as long as they're good. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not a big Megami Tensei veteran here, and for me to see the same damn <laughs> yeah. thing that I just saw in this in a game that came out 12 years before, or 14 years before, <laughs> that caught my eye. I think some of those are even earlier, since th- some of those sprites appeared in the first Devil Summoner game as well. <laughs> Which I don't know what year that came out, but ninety-five. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. For all we know, they date back to the original Shin Megami Tensei. I, I'd say the original Megami Tensei, but no, no, I those would be like those are yeah. primitive look. Yeah, NES sprites tend to be noticeable if you use them now. <laughs> anyway, so well, who wants to dive into the story? I of can the actually sequel? give uh, a Mr. Mickey go. Yes. Okay. I'll help you out. Yes, please do, because this is two and a half years ago, and I played this recently, so okay. Yeah, I had to play it for a review for our site, which meant I did not have the benefit of any game facts knowledge, which probably would have come in handy in certain spots. All right. Psst, I beat this uh, game with no game facts. I guess so, it was easy compared to I the I was in a hurry. I had to try and get it done for the review embargo. I, I know. I've been there with other games. Um, let's see. Now, instead of your demon summoning apps coming out of a DS or 3DS, they come out of your cell phone now. And... I'm sure hey. cell phone technology <laughs> keeps evolving. Somebody's going to try that. Hey, Somebody's going to try and summon ma- things out of the maw of the dimensions that are not our own. It's going to happen. You know, you know what they say. There's an app for that. <laughs> they, they, hey, according to Megami Tensei, they've been doing demon summoning programs since the late 80s. Yeah, anything that could be made to work on the computers of the late 80s, <laughs> we can make work on modern cell phones. Um... Let's see. You are you are the you are the mute protagonist. Give him any name you want. Yeah, I don't remember what I named myself because this was a review cartridge. I had to return it to Atlas. You have a couple of friends. You have Daichi and Io. Despite yes, her actual mytho- mythological name does stem from a female, but nowadays I think most people associate Io with the volcanic moon of Jupiter, which is definitely not her personality. No. It might be it might be Eo since she's Japanese though. It might. She also has a horrible, horrible malady that I'm sure will come up and afflict her <laughs> as life continues. Her back is sure to go out very soon. I'm sorry. It oh, looks wow. like she's carrying around a lot of weight on her chest. Yeah, I thought to... Yuzu was pretty, but I thought Yuzu was kind of noticeable. But poor Eo. Yeah, it's it's much worse with her. The poor girl. She's going to have such horrible chiropractic problems in life. Uh, so this trio is going through the Japanese subway, and what do you know? The ride just doesn't go the best way possible, because they get out at a stop they weren't planning to, and woof! Demons are attacking! These are fortunately not the most powerful of demons. They are easily subdued by our trio of high schoolers, and once they are subdued, these demons willingly acquiesce to being controlled by these high schoolers through that app on the cell phone. And this trio wanders out to out of the subway area, and, oh dear, Tokyo at large seems to be having a slight problem. Our particular zone seems to be completely cut off from the rest of the world, and not by means of any governmental function, but no, we are actually, we actually appear to have been pulled into some other dimension. Well, that doesn't come along till later. At first, just they're like, a, like a severe earthquakes, and just the entire area is devastated. You do hear news that other parts of the country, even the world, might be like that, though you're largely cut off from them. So, yeah, the whole you get you're actually not quite in the same world anymore doesn't come until much later. That's true. I, I'm going to skip between days here because I'm remembering the plot as a whole and right, it, all, right. it all came in quick succession for me. Uh, you quickly meet a few other people around who also have cell phones with apps now capable of summoning demons and controlling mm. them. Mm-hmm. And I know, Mr. Apps, that you are working on this very technology as we speak. 
Because if anyone can have it, Ooh. you can. Uh, let's see. You meet... There's an apps for that. <laughs> you meet Yamato, who rubs Daichi the wrong way. Yamato is a very strict person, the kind of guy who, if he committed, if he was a panhandler at the age of three because his dad told him to, he would eventually come back and tell the government about it getting and accept the fine because Galdernit laws are there to be obeyed. That's the kind of guy Yamato is. Yeah, he's, he does not like incompetence, and uh, he's very severe. He likes order. Well, he doesn't just like order. He wants them, like, basically, he wants, like, the best people in the world deserve the best jobs, and anybody who can't live up to that, you know, yeah. should, should barely be around. So there's a weird sort of mixture of, cha- of chaos and law in Yamato. His motto is uh, pretty much the strong survive. The yeah. strong, the strong rule. Um, let's see. Those, he's the main guy you meet on the first day, I think. Or, no, let's see. Since yeah, it's for sure the first day. This is the wonderful thing about Wiki. I can look here and I can see Yuzuru and I'm trying to remember. Oh, Joe. Yeah, he's Joe. Yeah, his, yeah, his full name is Yuzuru Akie. He goes by the name Joe because why not? And I remember him being just, he's a pretty casual dude. Yeah, he's laid back and kind of flaky. Like he's, he's he, he jokes about being glad about the earthquakes because that means you, you just have to worry about being late to work. <laughs> Which I can kind of understand if he's one of the... One of the part-timers in, Jap- in Japanese industry, that is a job set that just lends itself to abuse. Anyway, <laughs> uh, rather than delve into the septentrions yet quite now, let's continue with the character roster. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember Hinako being a dancer, and she also had a very interesting outfit for... You'd think somebody in Japan at the age of 19 in Tokyo might try to wear something a little more, I don't know, conducive to getting a job? But what do I know? At any rate, she she would not agree with Yamato on pretty much anything. She eventually goes with the chaos group. Remember, right? As I recall, I don't know because I played through the, the route I played through was the uh, the one the anguished ones route, and she kind of didn't want the group to fight. But uh, I don't quite recall the first time I did the uh, the sort of neutral dicey route. We'll, I guess we'll get into that a little later. Oh yes, we will. <laughs> I have much to say. Um, let's see. Day three, we meet with Irie and Jungo. Jungo, as I recall, had one thick forest of hair that reminded me of the broccoli dude. I've seen that. <laughs> and Irie, yes, Irie was what? Just a year or so younger than your group. She was really well-versed sure. in tech stuff. Uh, I, you mean, I, Irie, the, well, she's a, she's a pianist. She's also, well, she wanted to be a pianist, though certain things have kind of quashed that dream. And she's actually a bit, she's a fair bit, she's the youngest in the group. She's 15, while your, char- while your character and I believe EO and uh, Daichi are supposed to be um, 18, or possibly 17 and 18, I'm not sure. I know your character is 18. Yeah, either, either age is applicable for high school seniors. Mm-hmm. At any rate, she does not dress like a high schooler, which can throw you for a little bit. I, I, Irie? I guess not. Yeah. And she's also uh, what you call a tsundere. She uh, doesn't, you know, she kind of she she kind of pretends to be aloof, but actually kind of likes attention and likes people, but not all, but doesn't always act like it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I remember Doctor Fumi, Doctor Fumi Kano, being one of those. Well, actually, she didn't appear to wear anything but her lab coat. She must have been really cold at the knees area, but she was one of those ultra dedicated to technology people and science. It's all for science. Let's sigh. 
Not much of a personality. I'm trying, on I'm trying not to go with the whole science <laughs> idiom here because if we do, then there are several other people who respond to that in this. Um, oh yes, and Ronaldo, who will eventually lead the chaos grouping. Or law, or it could also be construed as law. The way he puts it, like this game kind of plays around with the whole law, chaos, neutral uh, group. You know, uh, what like you know groupings for Megami Tensei. True. I don't know. I remember going neutral and having a horrible time. Mm-hmm. Makoto. Makoto was nice. She is technically under Yamato, but she actually is a lot more reasonable than he yeah. is. Of course, that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, she's a lot nicer than, you know, she than she gives herself credit for, even. And she, like, she doesn't completely agree. She definitely does not agree with her ideal. She only wants to go along because she feels indebted to him. But she's actually a really nice person, and you could, you know, sway her fairly easily to joining your cause. Yeah, and she... In numerous early battles, she shows up as either an AI-controlled or somebody who doesn't join you permanently, and she mm-hmm. proves to be complete, highly competent in either respect. I, I like that. Um, eventually, we meet Dr. Otome, who, as I recall, was a complete flake. Uh, yeah, bit of, ni- nice person, but kind of a flake. Yeah. And... Uh, did you mention Keita yet? I don't think we did. Yeah, Keita Wakui. He's a boxer who's also very big into the strong... You know, the, the strong should rule while the weak should perish type thing. Not a, not a nice guy at all, though if you though you can kind of see him become a somewhat less mean person if you uh, go, th- you know, if you kind of see the scenes with him. But most of the time he's all for, yeah, whatever. I'm just doing this because I get to fight demons. I'm trying to remember him right now, and it's not happening yet. So Yeah, I'll he's a pretty one-note character. Actually, the problem with this game having a lot more characters than the original is that they all kind of have to be reduced to one or two dimensionals instead of being a little more in-depth. Oh, this guy. Yeah, I'm looking at his picture now. He doesn't yeah. look 16. He looks 10, if that. He's, he's supposed to be 16. I don't, yeah, I don't recall his age. Another thing Wiki is telling me, and we know that the Megami Tensei Wiki uh, ought to be right. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the pertinent characters, because by this point, you're into the fourth day, and you don't well, meet too many more. Well, you get the anguished one, although he's interesting. Oh, yes, the anguished one. That's starting to get into the Septentrionist territory, though. Okay, so we'll save off on that. Yeah, as long as we're getting into this, at the end of the first day, you have to fight a Septentrione. Well, you don't know it's a Septentrione at the time, but it is. And it's an alien invader! Yes, and very strange looking, too. It's like a a rainbow-colored ice cream cone with a floating pink scoop on top of it. It sounds silly, but it's actually pretty intimidating because it basically shoots the pink part at you, which explodes. Okay, maybe that doesn't sound as intimidating as it is. And this is the easiest septentrione. Do Uh not be lulled into a sense of complacency. They will get harder. Really, it's just intimidating because it's just feels like otherworldly oh yeah because these these aren't even demons they never fully explain what they are and they're just bizarre and the way they talk it's like in uh like symbols i just wonder how they're going to do that with voice acting uh well they could do it the way they did with in the original dragon ball when piccolo and kami talked to each other in what was supposed to be another language they spoke in japanese and some some incomprehensible symbol appeared on the screen but we we may get something entirely different. We'll see, I guess. But yeah, yeah I, so it's like if you're thinking more demons and more, you know, God versus demon, angels versus demons. No, you get weird alien beings. Pretty interesting. 
Yeah, your second day is Merak, and as I recall, Merak shot this nasty beam through most of the screen and would spawn things that exploded around you. And I think they looked like hockey pucks, as I recall. I don't remember what it shot at you. I'm looking at the picture on the wiki right now. I'm thinking of another one. Hmm, It's okay. Oh, there are so many lovely Septentrions, and all of them... And all of them them are... ...wiki making noise at me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Mirak looks kind of like freaky... An extremely large sword hilt with a blade from... Oh, yeah, that's the, yeah. it does shoot, like, these hockey puck-looking things at you. There we go. And let's see. Day two, we have Fecta, which looks like a circle of multicolored crystals. And as I recall, that seemed hard at first until it split in two and let me beat it to death individually. And I was glad because I... That was at the end of a fairly long battle, is that right? Yeah, because he had to fight a bunch of human characters before then, and then the thing appears out of nowhere. And then there's Megrez, which, honestly, it looks kind of like a cell with spikes on it. And this is the thing where I recall, it's on a dock. You beat on it for a little while, then it moves, and you have to move with it deeper, further on along the dock. Yeah, and you have to keep doing that, like, I think three times, maybe even four, until supposedly you time it with other groups that are fighting other... Like, there's, like, three Megrises, I think, so you split into three groups. You don't fight all three battles, but you... Like, you don't throw areas, but you do fight this thing three times to supposedly line up with them. And this is... Yeah, this game will make you... A, like, this game and the over... And the over... And the, uh, well, not just overclock, but also the original game will make you really appreciate demons that allow you to restore your MP. The, uh, the angels, which are called divines, and the, the ty- tyrants that fallen. They all have skills that restore MP, and you'll need that because it'd be pretty easy to bottom out on, a, on yes. MP without them. Yes, uh, there's also a skill, Magic Yin, which halves all MP by half, and you'll want that. Uh, fifth day, Alioth. The, the thing that looks, I don't know, like, like a cartoon heart with a bunch of stone... Spikes jutting off of it, and a little purple ET in the middle. And if I as I recall, this is the thing that likes to poison you, mm-hmm. and poisons pretty much the whole battlefield. And you have to get close to it while being poisoned. So win fast. And this like this the day for this is interesting, especially since the, like the game tries to go for a very like a comical chapter for this one, which really stands out, especially compared to the original game. It's noticeably more lighthearted, which I normally don't mind. I like lighthearted things in RPGs, but. Since the original game took itself pretty seriously, it gets it just kind of stands out that the second game doesn't as much. But yeah, for this one, Alioth is like flying in this giant, like spiked shell thing, like a, like a gigantic spaceship, and it's trying to attack uh, one of the towers. So in order to stop it, you have to summon the demon. You have to summon Shiva, a Hindu god, to shoot at it with its spear. And to get it to shoot at it with its spear, you have to get another demon, Kama, which is a Hindu god of love, and to get to waken him, you have to show him something sexy. And to get him to show up, you, you basically show him... Like, Irie try to, tries to lift up her shirt and shows her belly button, and Kama is attracted by that and comes out because of... <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't take off her old shirt. She's flipping 15, but still. And anyway, after they try to fight Kama, they try to get him to, you know, allow himself to be hit by uh, Shiva's spear. He doesn't agree, so Irie gets angry and beats him up. A human beating up a demon by herself is kind of bizarre, even for Megami Tensei, but there you go. <laughs> I guess we're just supposed to buy the old rule that if you get a girl mad, she can beat up anything. Hell hath no fury, huh? Right. 
so yeah, so and it's and so yeah, so Kama basically lets himself get shot by Shiva in reference to a legend, I believe. I don't quite recall how it goes. And so it takes down Alioth, and then you can actually fight Alioth properly. Yeah, and if you can survive the poison, Alioth isn't that dangerous. Mm-hmm. You actually get a device to neutralize some of the poison, so you have to kind of maneuver that in a position where you can get close enough and it, you know, take him down quickly before the uh, neutralizing agent wears off. And then comes the sixth day with Mizar, which Mizar looks kind of like Ultros to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's the super annoying thing that will split into multiple parts of itself, and you have to go kill all of them. And, of course, all of them get a unique attack, and it's it's going to hurt you. Yeah, you actually have to first form a dragon from a sort of special earthly power called the Dragon Stream so that it would hold the thing and you can actually try and kill it. And that one takes a bit of work, too, because you have to go and summon other demons to try to help you with that. Yes, I'm remembering all of these things now. Good times. And then there's uh, Bennett Nash, or Al-Qaeda, I guess, which just looks like a tooth. It kind of looks like a turnip without the green top. Yeah, I see that. And... Oh, yeah, this one's annoying because it can uh, it has an ability called Pacify Human, and at first it makes your demons unsummoned, so you literally have no way of hurting it. So in order to hurt it, you have to get a demon called... Uh, was it, I think it's the Trumpeter, so that it would pr- produce a sound that would stop it from de-summoning your demons, but you can't summon more demons in turn, so you have to fight it with the demons you have equipped. And it still has Pacify Human, so your human characters cannot hurt it. They just have to sit there or maybe act as healers while your demons try to take it out. And you have to hope that they don't get killed or else you can't summon more. Fun times. Good yes, times. I'm, I'm remembering this now. <laughs> and then we had Polaris on the eighth day. Or did we have Polaris first? I think there there was this... Well you have you have Alcor if you if you actually think everything but for the anguish one route, you fight Alcor before you fight Polaris. Alcor and... I beat. Yes. I remember Alcor straining me to the utmost, but I did beat it. That's right, Polaris. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah. let's uh, let's hold off on Polaris. I have okay. I have extended thoughts on that. So <laughs> well then, Alcor. Remember how I meant? Remember to mention the anguished one earlier. The anguished one is actually one of the Septentrians, and oh yeah, the Septentrians are all named after stars of the Big Dipper because that's the theme here. I'm not quite sure what they mean by it, but there you go. Because Polar, you know, the Big Dipper points to Polaris, as I recall. And Alcor is a weak, like is a weaker star that's uh, sort of a sibling star to one of the other ones. I can't recall quite now which. And he basically, supposedly, uh, he Alcor, the anguished one. He also calls himself Al Saduk. Uh, showed humanity technology. He showed him how to make fire because he saw potential. They were just you know primitive tribes, but he wanted to see them do more. So he showed them, you know, he gifted them with technology and with knowledge. However, Polaris didn't like this. Which is why he decided to unmake the world. All but Japan managed to avoid being unmaked because it ha- it's protected by a barrier called the Dragon Stream. So that's why Polaris sent down its minions, the Septentrians, to finish destroying Japan. However, if all the Septentrians are destroyed, then they can have an audience with Polaris, and we'll get to that a little bit more. But yeah, so you can, if the Anguish One tries to help you through many times, he's the one who gives you the demon summoning app, so you have a fighting chance to get the Septentrians. And even despite that, he's still impressed at what you manage to do, especially the player character. Like how much stronger they're getting with these demons, despite just having recently got it. And, obviously, and since there's an Anguish One route, if you choose to 
follow his route, you can actually make, you know, you can actually make him the new administrator, which is uh, the Polaris's role. Or you could choose one of the other one, and choose any of the other ones, and you have to fight him. Who will uh, who will more or less agree to it? Kind, still, kind of wanted to see what humanity will do from then on end. I can't recall what do they look like again? A box or something? Like in his actual septentrian form as Alcor? Something strange. Yeah, yeah, a box, a cube, something like that. Otherwise, he just looks like a strange guy with white hair that you never quite see his eyes. Yeah, the guy like who shows a... up and you have enigmatic conversations with him. Mm-hmm. He has like an appropriately mysterious like musical theme associated with him. Yeah, which I quite liked. I remember liking the music as a whole. I just wish there had been a little more of it. Yeah, the yeah. first game has the first game suffers from that too. It's just like it's good music, but there's like one, there's like maybe thirty tracks, maybe slightly less, which is bizarre for a game of this length. Yeah. So, all right, I I will tell my tale right now. The tale of how I reviewed this game, even though I hadn't quite beaten the game, because it it mattered that we try and get this thing up the soon the minute the embargo was over. I went with Daichi. Daichi being the neutral route in this game. And that meant actually beating up Rodrigo wasn't particularly difficult. It was beating up Yamato that caused me my first headache. Because when you fight Yamato, he has some horrible ability that not only grants him double range, causes his speed to go up with every ally of his you take down. Oh, yeah. But he also can revive his demon teammates, you know, in in his own unit. And, of course, both of those demon teammates have horrible abilities. I don't remember what they were right now, but one of them will heal him completely. The other one uh, had some some nasty super tech abilities. I don't remember what they were right now. I just remember he beat the crap out of me the first time, and I went I went around, got into some free fights for a while, fused a few more demons. I like the demon feud. That's a good idea. I was eventually able to eke out a victory by the skin of my teeth. And once you have pacified both teams that are not on your your chosen path, you get to go to the eighth day, you are so after beating up the seventh Septentrion, you are so lucky you get to beat up Polaris. Okay, uh, I gather that if I had chosen another alignment I might not have had to go through Polaris There's the even, fir- yeah, there's two slightly different ones for the Daichi route too, you can either choose to defeat Polaris or just choose to sort of challenge him and restart so you must have done the you know, completely defeat Polaris and he's a lot harder when he's basically Per, um, you know, protecting himself and just challenging. Yeah. I must have, which was not my goal because I was trying to get this thing done so I could write a review in time. Mm-hmm. And the first phase is actually not that bad. <clears throat> you, you have to walk around. There's some enemies spawning behind you. So what? You get there, you beat the crap out of... Uh, it, it was one of those battlefields that reminded me of a microscopic view of the human cellular system. And then you get to phase two, which is where you fight shadow versions of your own people and they're really strong and I lost a team there and you, then you get to phase three and this is the first time in, in the whole game where you don't get replenished between battles. That was very nice of the game. <laughs> and the final form of Polaris is this lovely thing that spawns fresh opponents for you on both sides and you have exactly one means of approaching him. By It's a fairly wide bridge, but down that bridge will come... The beam of death <laughs> oh, yeah. that, will, that will blast you to oblivion. And you, I don't remember what affinity it was. I'm sure if I had thought to slap everybody with anti-physical or something, it might have worked or whatever alignment it was. But, you know, if you have that, then you can't have something else, which you're also going to need in this sequence. And 
Polaris ripped me a new one. Polaris was not nice to me. And I talked to Mac at the time, and Mac said, you know what, it's better that we get the review out now. You've seen, you've seen up to this point, even if you got torn apart by the final boss, let's just get it out, and then you can expunge your horrible feelings later. And now I'm getting to do that. I, I get to remember the horrors of Polaris and his beam that reached across the entire screen. <laughs> so this is for you, Polaris, for making me feel like a scared little boy again <laughs> with, with the attack that could not be dodged, that could not be avoided. You just have to hope you were strong enough. And I wasn't. Not after two previous rounds that it succeeded in draining me. And especially since I was down to three teams and not four. Yikes. Okay. I forget who went down during the fight with the shadow versions of my people, but uh, that wasn't funny. They were strong shadow versions of me. So I guess I shouldn't mention how I found this game easy, a lot easier than the first one. Did you I mean, take the neutral route? Nope. Okay. That might Which, one, yeah. Which one did you take? <laughs> uh, I think it took like the law route. Oh, so uh, which with that, with, so that's Ronaldo then? If that's the world Yamato, of equality. Oh, no, yes. They're kind of yes. both Yamato yes, yes. then. The merit, you know, the merit, the meritocracy world. No, the one with Ronaldo. Whichever one, the one with Ronaldo was. Okay, Ronaldo. The Ronaldo's path because it's not quite the law. It, it is law. Yeah. It's like equality under the law, but it's. It's weird. It's, it's hard to explain. It's not quite. Not quite as I remember, not Ronaldo quite standard was after, Shin can say. Yeah. He was after trying to look after everyone equally and yes. protect the people who couldn't necessarily look out for themselves. Yeah, and, but because of that, there's also, you know, the, the problems with that one was that there was no, you know, nobody would be, uh, you know, in spite, would be uh, willing to do, like, go the extra mile because everybody would get the same thing regardless of if they did well or did poorly. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. The, the communist society. Something like that, I think. <laughs> so yeah, it's like both. It's like it's not quite the law route, and Yamato's path is not quite chaos because there's also some law and sort of you know listen to authority type deal. But authority is whoever's the strongest. So, and the anguish one route is also a neutral route since that's basically all you know. You humans do what you can. You know, you have the power. You know, you, the, the like a big theme of Megami Tensei is that humans are capable of anything. Of course, we're also capable of destroying ourselves, so it's not quite the best thing, but we're also capable of some really amazing stuff, too. So that one really, like, really focuses on that. And Alcar wants to see you achieve that, which is why he decides to become, like, basically take over Polaris's place and let humans rule themselves. And the neutral route is basically, let's try to get things back to normal, or if you decide to destroy Polaris, oh, yeah, here's a broken world where you're basically left on this tiny speck of land with... Very few people left and nothing else around you. Tata, not a very happy ending. <laughs> Which path did you take, Alex? I didn't get very far. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. well, I can understand that. Yeah, I, I, I initially... Gave, I just sort of gave up to play something else after the first major difficulty spike, because I think I was still annoyed at Overclocks 1 by uh, that time as well. So I played them too close to, together, I think. Mm. Yeah, I initially took the Daichi route, but I didn't go the, uh, you know, defeat Polaris. I went the, let's try to get things back to normal. So that was probably why it was a lot easier for me. In fact, that's probably one of the easiest, I imagine, and one you'd want to go to. Because on a new game plus, things are suddenly a lot more manageable. I imagine they are. <laughs> and then it's the, my latest playthrough is where I did the Anguished Ones route, which should be pretty hard since Yamato is like six levels higher and you have to fight the stronger Polaris like you do in the 
the liber in the Liberator ending, the one where you defeat Polaris, but he wasn't too bad with you know demons I had for my first playthrough and pretty high levels. Yeah, as long as we're on this, I gotta say the demon fusion idea. That's cool. I like demon fusion, and that's been around since the very first game. <laughs> that's true. I don't necessarily like that you have to constantly level your main character because if the demon is even one level higher than you, it will just refuse to be created. Yeah, that was that pretty annoying. Like I wanted to like one of my favorite demons that like in the series in the franchise is um, Amaterasu, the Japanese goddess of light, mm-hmm. and uh, she. You ha- in order to get her, your main character needs to be level seventy-seven. And I, I mean, it, I wow. didn't have to because I'm sure the game could be easily beat without her. But I really wanted her in Devil Survivor too, so I basically grinded him up and made the rest of the game a cakewalk. So I don't know. Now, as I weird. remember, experience gain gets reduced the higher your level goes, right? Yeah, just like the original game and mm-hmm. overclocked. But also on New Game Plus, you can you know use points to remove that experience cap, and it does make leveling a heck of a lot easier. I tried to get Amaterasu in my first playthrough, but forget it. I was, like, hitting a bl- brick wall by 68 and said, forget it, I can beat the game without her. And I could. <laughs> I still had Coolabray, the, uh, the a dra- like, a green ice ice dragon demon, which is pretty darn cool, too. And, uh, what's her name? Oh, yeah, Hecate, the uh, a Greek goddess of the underworld who has a lion's head, a horse's head, and a wolf's head. And she also wears leather and a whip, so go figure. Have I mentioned it's a male lion head? That gets confusing. Well, it's a lot easier to recognize a male lion head than a female. Well, I guess. Those you could mistake for any other kind of cat. Like a puma, I guess. Yeah, or heck, even a leopard. Leopards don't always have their spots on the head. True. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't remember any specific demons offhand. Not even the ones that we mentioned, which of course are completely outmoded as you go further in the game. You, You no longer need comma after getting the stupid fifth day septentry on a down because your level will be so much higher that you can summon much, much better demons. Yes. But, yeesh, there were... There is an immense variety, and it's fun to fiddle around with. Yep, you can pretty much find anything to suit your, you know, whatever, to suit your taste. Do you like dragons? There are dragons. Do you like goddesses? There are goddesses. Do you like leprechauns? There are leprechauns. (laughs) Not in this game, I think. Although there there are similar demons... Uh, not that uh, I can call right now. Hey, hey, you guys haven't answered the question that everybody in the audience is asking right now. You, but what if I like Cassandra Ramos? Is she in it? <laughs> no. Oh, now you see a lot of people just went and canceled their order. Good going. But wait, I think we have a Kickstarter for that. The vodka glass is half empty. So, uh, Phil, are, are you... Does this Kickstarter promise to influence the corporate arrangements of Japanese entities now i understand those are pretty sensitive to outside interference <laughs> yeah we, we did have to we do have to convert all of your kickstarter pledges to yin but uh once you start speaking their yin language they they get on board <laughs> their yin language <laughs> that's right it's like dollars is the universal language here in america it's funny because you know like i work in a hotel we have employees of all different languages many of which don't even speak english but all you do is you pull out a 20 dollar bill in your pocket and they suddenly understand what you're saying well in japan it's the language of yen so trust me once we get once once we talk to them once you guys jump on board this kickstarter cassandra's there bam okay cassandra uh now that we've got that assurance on the record uh let's move on (laughs) Shall we? Yes. Let's. 
anything else about the story or the characters? I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I've got one question. There's yes. no there's no connection to the previous game sort of in the story, is there? No. As, yeah, no, I this is probably an entirely separate universe. And things get pretty darn confusing actually because Polaris is supposed to be the administrator of the multiverse, or at least of multiple universes, and Megami Tetsu already takes place in a multiverse, so I don't even I don't know if there's if there's a connection, it must be terribly confusing. Yeah, best, <laughs> best not to think about it. Yeah, let's not. Avoid a headache. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think Black Frost appears in this game and makes a mention to the first game, but as far as I know, they're not connected. Nobody goes, hey, you know what? Something like this happened like a year or two years ago, except <laughs> just in Tokyo. So what has changed from the first game? Not a ton. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, one major story and demon one major story character died like uh, pretty quickly for me and to the point where I saw people with, like, avatars of this character online and didn't even immediately realize that it was a character from Devil Survivor 2. <laughs> I forget which character it was, though. It's somebody with white hair. Uh, could that could that be Kata? I'm guessing you're not thinking of the anguished one. No. Probably Kata, I think. He has yeah. white hair. Yeah, I think, I, I think so. You know, I think he might have died for me just because I didn't care to talk to him that often. <laughs> He is not a nice guy. Yeah, I talked. I made an effort to talk to him more in uh, the in like in my second playthrough, and I yeah, he still doesn't really become much of a character. <laughs> Bit of a jerk. And in fact, uh, an interesting thing about for the for getting the characters to recruit um, after you reach the uh, I think it's on the seventh day where you have to decide whether you want to go which route you want to take. Uh, some characters will just not want to fight their friends. Some characters will want to go on Yamato, and others will want to go with Ronaldo. Uh, for, as we kind of alluded to, the characters have a sort of, uh, like what they call the fate system, which allows you to have conversations with the characters and learn a little bit more about them. Somehow it's not enough about them when you talk to them, but either way, it allows you to talk to them. Uh, and uh, each one it c- kind of builds up these points with them, and if you get uh, certain levels... Uh, you unlock certain things. If you get them, you know you can. They could get stronger against certain elements. You might be able to unlock special demons you can't use without getting that level of fate with them. And if you get them to five, I think either five, yeah, pretty sure five you can. Uh, they'll be able to rejoin you, or at least in a high level, it may not necessarily be five. At the at, at the eighth day, I think actually, where you can let them rejoin you because after you fight, you try to fight each individual group, and then if you de- you know depending on which one, if you go with uh, like if you decide to side with the Amato, you could still convince somebody on Ronaldo's route, I think, to join you. Or they might, and if you don't get into high enough fate, they'll still say, "No, I can't join you." So that's pretty interesting. It could be a, it could be better for certain, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's certainly not extremely in depth, but it's in depth. But it's a nice feature to have, all the same. And we lost wheels. Oh, well, I think so. Anything, anything else different? Uh, let's see here. I mean, combat-wise, it's largely the same. Uh, what Other than new demons and new skills, what has changed is that there's, like, each demon, either certain high, either certain powerful demons, or if you get demons to a higher level, their racial skill will change to an upgraded one, the new name. The dragons, for instance, have a skill called, normally have a skill called evil, uh, evil flow, and if, or was it evil wake? I 
one of those. Something like that. Yeah. Something. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's evil wake, and if you uh, if you either get a very powerful dragon or make a dragon, or if you level up a dragon to a really high level, it'll become evil flow instead of being two spaces. If you use a skill, it'll be four spaces away. Or which yeah. is extremely useful. Let me tell yes. you. Yes. Almost broken. I swear. But yeah. I'm fine with that. The enemies <laughs> often use broken skills against you. Why shouldn't you be able to return the favor? Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I, I believe, like, there's a there are um, vile type demons. They get they get a they only get a skill called Chaos Wave, which allows them, which gives make, which lowers their no is it is it no that also gets a really big boost. I don't quite recall what it gets. Oh no, I'm thinking which one is it? Oh no, I'm thinking of the demons that use a. Uh, uh, they're called, what are they called? I don't know. Like one of them gets an ability which not only reduces the movement in its upgraded form, but also prevents your party from attacking next because it's like a certain order to the way each one can attack depending on their speed. But it lowers your attack uh, order, which can be pretty useful for you and pretty annoying for the other one. <laughs> and but yeah, so those that's pretty cool being able to get even stronger abilities, which you'll want because this game can be pretty hard. Although as I said, it was kind of it was pretty easy for me as well. My first playthrough. I, th- I think it all depends upon which path you take. If you're like me and you stupidly take the hardest neutral path, which of course will not be will not be advertised to you, the game no. will not give anything like you. You sure you want to do this? You know <laughs> Polaris is going to beat the crap out of you. Then... Yeah, no real warning. <laughs> you know, Mike, I almost get the impression that you're just a a little a little bitter about Polaris. Well, Phil, I can't really deny it anymore, can I? I know I've been obscuring it in lots and lots of circular language thus far, but I think I have to come out and say it. Polaris, if you get into a situation where you're actually trying to beat it instead of just challenge the thing, Polaris is pretty strong. Polaris is, in fact, not fair, I would say. Yeah, and and, and having played a number of other Shin Megami games myself, that, that this is... You know, like in Strange Journey, you know, this is <laughs> this is just a reoccurring theme. You're going along, you're kicking demon ass, you're you you're taking the time to grind and combine demons and you think you're badass, and then you hit a boss named Jimenez or one of these other guys with names, and they just totally <laughs> and utterly kick your ass over and over and over again. And you just keep reloading. And after like ten times, somehow you get like a critical strike or something. You finally get lucky and you beat him. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Shimigami Tensei. <laughs> we welcome you with yeah. open arms. Now bend over. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. My that sounds like my first. Like oh yeah. Did I mention that Devil Survivor, the original Devil Survivor, my first at all game in the Megami Tensei franchise? Mm. Nice. That could be a little rough. Yeah. I don't know. Is there any Megami Tensei game other than like I don't know uh, the what's that what's that uh, something Demi the Demon Kids? Slayer? No, that oh, damn it, damn. I'm sure Demi Kids is probably easy. No, that uh, that odd Game Boy Color game that was oh yeah, Revelations the Demon Slayer. Maybe maybe that uh, that, that Virtual Boy game is easy. It's, an <laughs> game. it's not like any of us. Jack Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Jack <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Mister Apps. I'm sure you have a Virtual Boy, don't you? No, no, come on now, no. But it's got almost 15 games on it. No. 
You, you know you want to play Wario Land or, on Virtual Boy. It's supposed to be a good game. I wanted one as a kid for some reason, but thankfully it was discontinued before I could make that foolish mistake. Well, I'm sh- if I get a Virtual Boy now and I get, what is it, $200 or so to buy Jack Brothers because it's a really rare title, then I too can experience the first Megami Tensei game in English while <laughs> splitting headaches after five minutes. <laughs> that, that, that is just a weird fact, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> very weird. The first in a very long franchise that has largely has been ignored until like the past, however, like, you, like decade and a half or so, was a virtual, virtual boy game. Yeah, Sorry, the mascot. And we don't even cover it because it wasn't an RPG. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten that little bit of history out of the way, uh, Devil Survivor Two almost certainly harder than Jack Brothers. <laughs> Yes, but probably a lot easier if you've played the first game, yeah. Yeah. Because Keel know what to exploit. Yeah, 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 that's pretty much, that's definitely it. Because I certainly knew certain, you know, certain abilities, certain uh, skills that that stacked well. Uh, Like, this game saw the return of one of my favorite combinations from Overclocked, putting on a human character that has high agility and high attack power with multi-strike, pierce, so it she could, so they could go through everything except for physical repel and physical amp, and it just eats through teams. It's awesome. Oh yeah, and it's it's really good on and for Devil Survivor Two. It's really good on Hinako because she has both high attack and high speed. For the first for the original game, it's pretty good on Izuna when you get her. Yeah, I remember Hinako pretty much staying in my team whenever I could because she was really good to have. Um. Okay, so it's time for our it's time to wrap up the main event with our favorite uh, round called Would You Buy It? So, Shimigami Tensei Devil Survivor, the original DS game, would you buy it if it was brand new in this shrink wrap for the low low price of only sixty dollars? When there's an enhanced version out? Yeesh. Maybe I don't have a three DS. Maybe guess. I'm still living in the Stone Ages. Well, maybe you should get one. By this point... Okay, how long has the 3DS been out now? Four years? Okay, okay, okay. Look, look. You can get a used (laughs) copy for 15... I'm actually asking, Phil. Is that how long the 3DS has been Uh, out? I want to say two... I got mine two years ago. I I want to say... Because I didn't get it. At the I got it. Bra- I got it near the. I got it for my birthday. So that's actually eighteen, probably eighteen months ago. It's either eighteen or it's thirty. It's either a year and a half or two and a half years ago. So uh, let's see here. Oh, we know overclocked. Twenty eleven. It is two and a half. Yeah. So mm-hmm. okay, thirty months. Good lord, I'm getting old. Crap. That's why I'm doing backtrack. I'm an old fogey. No, no, no. None of us are well, getting just, old. Shush. Just, just think of it this way, Phil. When we started doing the backtrack, this game, none of these games had been released. We're out. We're getting old. Okay, 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 okay. But anyways, my point being, guys, yes, we could buy a used copy of this game, maybe without the box or something for 15 bucks. But listeners to the RPG backtrack demand to pay top dollar for the finest products. Would you pay 60 bucks for it? Yes. Wow. If for some reason this is the only that's the only version you can play, yeah, I would absolutely pay sixty dollars. Yeah, I, I so yeah, I guess so would I. If if for some reason the overclock version didn't exist, then yeah, sixty dollars would yeah. be pretty good for this game. Okay. But, but I mean I have to look at it this way. Most new games these days on your fancy H D consoles cost sixty bucks 
And that game, I would say, is easily better than a lot of games you're going to find on those consoles. So you know, that's actually a lot more hours into it. Yeah, yeah. that that's actually a, a super super good point. Uh, yeah, actually, it's a lot of lot of bang for your aren't, buck. Aren't they up to seventy dollars now? No. Did they, did well, they ever break the $60 barrier? I thought they did. I, I, don't, I don't know. PlayStation 4 games? Remember, Phil? No. Last time we were talking about Mass Effect 2 and how much DLC that had, and if you combine DLC prices with the original oh, game... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, don't even... <laughs> don't Yeah, exactly. Don't even get me started if you start... Yeah, if you start combining that stuff, sure. Um, what, yeah, what, the you D- could, sorry. Uh, uh, the, what you could do is buy the um, copy version from Ghostlight for just £25. We could. We, we could. Then, you, then we would have. If you do, a, yeah, if you, do you get a gold logo on the box. Ooh. Well, logos that, are that cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to argue with logos. Of yeah. course, we are talking. We were talking about overclocked, right? Uh, well, oh, yeah, we're ready to do overclocked. This was this. Was, I was no, doing I, the original one okay. first. Sorry, I was, I was asking Alex there. Oh, yeah, Alex. Because if it's overclocked, then we have a slight problem of. Uh, oh yeah, I, no, I, I overclocked one. to thirty-five. That was too. Okay. There. Yes, the, the original one we actually have no problem playing on any DS around the world because Nintendo and its stupid draconian region lock had yet to come <laughs> into place. Stupid draconian. Okay, what about what about what about what about Devil Survivor overclocked? Thirty-six ninety-five, brand new in the shrink wrap. Twenty-nine fifty. Wait Not a minute. In the shrink wrap. Overclocked is cheaper than the original? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess because it's not as old, obviously. And it's for a system I, that's not defunct. And I think they may have produced more copies of that. Yes, oh, and, that's and exactly also, what it is. Oh, and also you can, you can download it now from the eShop. Yeah, you can get it on the eShop, and Atlas often does sales. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually bought a digital version of it for like 10 to 15 bucks, something okay. like that. Okay, what about, what about, is it worth 40 bucks? Oh, yeah. totally. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's move on. Shimigami Tensei Devil Survivor 2 for your Nintendo DS. It brand new. 25 bucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go oh, buy it Although, I still wait another maybe couple of months to a year to yeah. see if Break Record will come out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, if you're really desperate, go for it, but... Might be might be, yeah. re- might be willing to wait for the inevitable, hopefully, cross your fingers, the inevitable 3DS release. Uh-huh. Uh, Plus, from what you've been saying, if you wait a little while between this one, between the first and the second one, then the second one will not seem quite as much like a retread, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, generally speaking, our panelists, for once, are unanimous in their decision to tell you the listener to go out and buy or grab it off your backlog uh, the uh, the Devil Survivor games with the big huge asterisk for Mike Mickey. don't pick neutral don't, don't pick <laughs> neutral <laughs> Devil don't Survivor pick, don't 2 neutral, don't pick neutral and don't try to defeat Polaris and don't on try, your first playthrough and don't try to defeat yeah Polaris yeah and it's it's not like the game is going to clearly tell you no it doesn't no, I don't know Mike, how I but Mike Inky is providing you that service now by telling you don't do it I, know, I think at go- some point yeah I think at some point you kind of say something like let's try to restore the world or at some point let's defeat Polaris but I don't remember the exact point so that might kind of creep up on you and bite you without knowing it as well. Well, you know what's creeping up... for me. <laughs> yeah. You know what's creeping up on us right now? Our next segment, our Blast from the Recent Past segment, and it's going to be here right after this musical break.
welcome back. This is the Blast from the Recent Past segment. That part of the show where we talk about a couple of games, one or two games, that came out, give or take, a few weeks, about two years ago. And tell you whether or not you should rush out and pull them off your backlog or go out and buy them now that they're on sale. Or whether they're better off being coasters. Uh, the first one on our gay on our list today has actually received some recent discussion from one of our earlier contributors to one of our podcasts. We are ready to talk about Mugen Souls, developed by Compile, <laughs> developed by Compile Art, published by NIS America, released on your PlayStation Three platform in North America about two years ago, October sixteenth. 2012. This wow. is a single player RPG experience. Now, before any of you say I anything. I don't think Compile Heart was alone here. I think Idea Factory had something to do with this. Hey, I'm just reading what Wiki says, okay? It's official. All right, now, now this is now before y'all jump in on this, because I know how much you love Mugen Souls. I think I should point out, I think I should point out the reason why I just felt the need to make sure this was at the top of our list tonight was uh, an episode or two ago, I wasn't available. Y'all did a recording with it. Some people did a recording. Mike Mickey and some other of our guests did a recording without me. And one of my favorite contributors, Miss Sam Marshmallow, during the New Vegas episode said, give or take, I quote with a fulfilled paraphrase, that Discaea 4 appeals to the same crowd as Mugen Souls. <laughs> Discuss. Uh, I, uh, if we're going to talk Mugen Souls, I might need some booze. Now, why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think I am now on my third glass of vodka? <laughs> I kid you not. I'm on the. Why? Because I knew we we're going to talk about tonight. So, so let me ask well, you: Is Mugen Souls and Jaskaya do they deserve to be in the same sentence together, Mister Apps? No, never, never, ever, 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 never, no, absolutely because not. Because Sam, Sam, here's how, here's the context it was in. Sam was explaining how she's been trying to get through Disgaea Four, and she's being she's been getting kind of frustrated with some of the more puzzly uh, boards that you run across as you're going through the story mode. And so, uh, and so she's finally given up and she says, you know, she says maybe she's missing the point, but, but in her opinion, this appeals to the same crowd that Mugen Souls is made for. What's your well, thoughts on that comment? Well, you see, Phil, there's one fundamental problem with that. See, Disgaea 4 has mechanics, you know, that are deep and sound and complicated and can be fun if that's your thing. Mm -hmm. Mutant Souls has mechanics that are broken and stupid and make you want to snap the disc in half <laughs> and are absolutely stupid or and sometimes offensive even. Um, so I don't really see the comparison. So, uh, wow. Perhaps, perhaps starting with Discia 4 was not the right thing for her to do. Um... See, it's hard. It's it's kind of hard for me to detach from that, because um, obviously I had some experience with this guy before I played it. So it's it's difficult for me to judge how hard it would be for someone not familiar with the series at all. Um, but I could certainly see that because um, that that game definitely has some tough battles. Yeah, I mean, I have to uh, I have to totally agree with with Mr. Apps here. I mean, I played through all of them. 
It's it's one of the few, very few series of games that Phil can say he's gotten through. Uh, because as you guys know, listening to me long enough, I can't even get through a single game most of the time. Much less get through a series, an entire series. And I've gotten through the entire series of Disgaea. You're right, Michael. I mean, it, I, I, you're right. It's hard to detach ourselves and go back and take a look at that from the outside looking in. And Disgaea 4 does have some more puzzling boards that I think I mentioned on one of our podcasts frustrated me just a little bit because there were some of them that I felt that just were I felt like I was going through one puzzle after another puzzle after another puzzle and was testing my puzzle skills more than my strategic skills, which I'm really not a big, huge fan of puzzles. So, yeah, I can totally get that. But but Mugen Souls. Let's talk about Mugen Souls. Do we have to? <laughs> listen listen to what Wikipedia says. It's It's been like two years now. I feel like I'm just recovering. <laughs> well, if, it, if you feel any better, you may use whatever adjectives you feel are necessary and not have to rely upon Wikipedia's attempt at neutrality. (laughs) (laughs) Attempt Um, at neutrality. What what swear words are acceptable on the backtrack? Let's see. We don't allow what, GD, right? I had to ampersand some of those out. And do we allow the F-bomb? We try not to. We try not to. So anything outside of GD, F-bomb, and maybe JC... Because that's just a personal thing for Phil. You know, I think you're okay. Okay. <laughs> He's now rethinking the swear words he had lined trying, up for this. Yeah. He's writing them through the translator. Maybe you should go through Wikipedia and so I can take a minute to try sure, and figure sure. out a good way to describe it. Here, Phil, Phil, why don't you take a Wikipedia point and then Mr. Apps responds to each one in turn. All right, here we go. That's a fantastic idea. The main protagonist of Mugen Souls... Chow Chow plans to conquer the universe by subjugating the seven worlds it comprises as she thinks the planets look pretty. Any thoughts? Hmm. The main character, who is your typical, uh, like, Moe little child looking character, mm-hmm. um, tries to subjugate the universe by being incredibly annoying. <laughs> And by the end, we'll make you want to rip out all your hair and repurpose it as a mustache. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the next – I love I love this uh, Wikipedia to uh, Mr. Rapp's translation we're getting here. Traveling from world to world with her trusty companion Altus and loyal peon Ryuto, Chow Chow – Aims or Chuchu aims to turn the heroes and demon lords of each world into her peons, saving the world from conflict in the process. May I interject hmm. that her name sounds like that of a dog? It's C H O U, so I'm not sure if that's Chow Chow or Chuchu. Do they do they have voice acting here? Did, did they enunciate that name? Yes, yes. There's voice acting. Is it Chow Chow? I'm not sure. It's been purged from my memory. We'll presume it's Chow Chow for now. So, uh, okay. Traveling from world to world. Let us keep, continue to consider her a dog. <laughs> so, traveling from world to world with her trusty companions, Altus, and her loyal peon Ryuto, Chow Chow aims to turn the heroes and demon lords of each world into her peons, saving the world from conflict in the process. This sounds a lot like a Disgaea plot. Mm-hmm. What's well, your thoughts on that? Well, not really, because uh, let's let's talk about those two minions to start off with. Because you uh-huh. got Ryuto who who uh, bleeds from the eyes whenever he sees any of the female characters naked or near from nearly the naked. Eyes? Not from the nose. Yes. Like, it's typical. Oh, Isn't it from it the, nose? the nose? I nose, eyes. Usually the nose. 
it, I don't know. It was something like that. Um, and then there I, I, is... I usually, yeah, if, if he's bleeding from the eyes, that should mean that she would die pretty soon, right? And he didn't. He did Although not, I, unfortunately. I, yeah, I, I think he would have noted if he died and been pleased by this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and then there was the other one, the female companion, who um, is prominently featured in the opening uh, animated sing-along intro with the jiggly breast physics and whatnot. Uh, and then there's all the, the people she gets as peons, which, you know, before these other characters showed up, you know, the story actually could be funny at times and tolerable and entertaining. But then, you know, for some re- for some reason, you know, obviously because this fine trio isn't enough, um, they had to a- add a like cavalcade of the most annoying characters known to man, um, who then make all the story sequences about twice as long. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and think of all the any annoying tropes you can think of, and this game probably has it in one of these characters that you add on as you subjugate these worlds. Okay. So what yeah. about what about gameplay revolves around exploration and turn-based open field combat, same as Hyperdimension Neptunio MK2, and the game also includes mini games and customization. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting uh, word all, usage there. First of all, I think we should address: Have you played Hyperdimension Neptunia to judge the accuracy of that comparison? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, so let's start, let's start with the exploration, which we should insert some air quotes here. Exploration. Um, there's like, I don't remember how many worlds. I'd rather not remember. Um, but they feature a relatively very small, like, area to explore. Um, in which you have to... There's like these different things you have to capture. Um, oh god... Why are you making me remember this game? Uh, so you have to capture like these different areas in each of the world. You have to like subjugate them based on different like weird Moe character personality things. It's weird. Uh, you're gonna make me have to actually look. I I don't want to look it up. It's mm. stupid. Okay. 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 It's bleeping did, did stupid. What about what about what about this statement? The game was met with mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know. I I have looked at GameFAQs, and there are a couple of GameFAQs user reviews, which, as everyone knows, are well written and highly informative all the time from people who said that this was highly entertaining. Again, GameFAQs users are well known for their propensity to write well and justify their points thoroughly. So or am I thinking so, of a different site? So uh, what are would, your thoughts on push... the mixed reviews co- uh, comment there? Uh, well, you know, I don't like to make uh, negative statements about my fellow reviewers in any respect, but I really have to question how many of these reviewers actually subjugated themselves to playing through the entire game like I did. Um, which, you know, I probably should have just said, you know what, this is not worth it. No one's really going to care about this review. I should just quit. 
while my brain is still intact. But for some reason, I did not. You know, I'm, I'm, so I investigated this, this statement myself about mixed reviews, and I went to GameRankings.com. The high, now, you know how GameRankings takes all of the scores and just boils it down to a percentage. So ranking it from the highest percentage to the lowest, the highest resented percentage was given by Game Vortex, who gave Mugen Souls an 87%. Hmm. The lowest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of 75s, 50s, some 40s. The lowest score was given by this website called rpgamer.com. The reviewer's <laughs> name was Michael Wheels Apps. Apparently he gave it a 20%, which looking at the website is a 1 out of 5. Yes, oh as, my God, as we I know. finally did it. I finally did it. Lowest review score. <laughs> yes. This uh, this reviewer. I, I think I've heard Maxstorm complain about this that our scale doesn't translate to anything lower than a twenty percent, yeah, which a I, one out of five ought to. This uh, I, I, should, I should note that if we were using a scale from like one to ten, I would not give it a twenty percent. Just, <laughs> just just a note there. This uh, this reviewer says all in all, Bugin Souls turns out to be an incredibly frustrating game. With some good ideas that quickly get lost in the grind. Despite making fun of cliches at times, the story ends up being an overly long affair dragged down by the very cliches it makes fun of. Tedious, boring, and insanely frequent combat encounters are made all the worse by required grinding and a giant spike in difficulty after much of the game is a cakewalk. The frequent pandering elements of the game's story and visuals cannot hide its borderline broken mechanics. Even the most ardent fan of JRPGs will find little to like about this grind fest. Harsh words and deeds from this guy called Wheels. What are your thoughts on this, Michael Apps? Perhaps not harsh enough. Maybe I went a little light. Mm. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the joy of finally finishing the game was so much that you backpedaled just a little bit. It, it could be, and you know, it could also be that I felt bad that you know people actually put a lot of effort into localizing this thing and really I think I noted that that was like the only positive element about it you know that you well, know, the uh, localization was I couldn't find any real issue with that, you know, that's was, funny. that couldn't be traced back to the original source material I, I remember looking at wiki recently for last rebellion information and apparently the president of NISA apologized for releasing that game because mm. it was so poorly fitted to the usual audience and yet Last Rebellion was, by some accounts, better than Mujin Souls. Mm. Not having played it, I can judge. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you a lot about the things wrong with this game, if you'd like. No, no, we do well, need to move I on. Can, I can give you the short version, <laughs> like how you go through these nine planets and think you're done with the game, and then it sends you back to each of them with, you know, maybe a few small extra areas, but largely the same thing, just with extra difficulty spikes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, some, some of the boss battles where I succeeded by... Um, bouncing enemies around the map which worked for no definable reason or the skills I leveled up in extreme amount to where they had astronomical MP costs from supposedly being so powerful that somehow did less damage than they did before I leveled them up so yeah so you're it's a long list so you're saying this game is not worth the $73 I'm seeing on half.com uh, I would not accept $70 from someone to take a copy of this game. Mm, mm, fair enough. 
So uh, let's move on to something that will hopefully garner a little more praise, as this one has also been reviewed by someone on this podcast. We're ready to speak about Code of Princess, developed by Ajatsuma Entertainment, published by this same, released on the Nintendo 3DS in North America on October 9th, 2012. This is a beat-em-up hack-and-slash action RPG single and multiplayer game for your Nintendo 3DS once again. So, this game was also reviewed by one of you. Can't imagine who. (laughs) And uh, this one will hopefully garner um, somewhat more positive conversation. Who wants to give me a quick rundown about Coda Princess? I think it'll have to be quick because, in fact... We're going to be talking about this in the very near future, Phil. Ah, well, hey, it comes but, up on the list. What can I tell? It does, yeah. Uh, let's see, Code of Princess. You know what? When I got this and I started playing it, my first thought was, "Boy, I sure can tell that people from the the former developers of Guardian Heroes were involved with making this game." Mister Apps, you have played Code of Princess, correct? I have. Was that not also your thought that this kind of reminds me of Guardian Heroes? It was, and was. Largely a lot of fun. It was. I I remember it flowing smoothly. I remember that the slowdown, which unfortunately did happen in Guardian Heroes, even though the game probably would have crawled to it, would have just suffered and died on the PS1 with that much mm. sprite work, uh, was gone. I remember the st- there was a story, but I really don't remember what it was right now. I'd have to look it up. And I really don't care right now either, because I wanted to beat things up repeatedly, and I did. I remember Princess Solange being the character I ended up using most of the time, and despite the fact that she's dressed like she just came out of Conan the Barbarian movie, she wields that big-ass sword very well, I must say. And she efficiently hacks and cleaves things. I remember a mission where you have to rush across a bridge to protect some people, and I failed it the first time because they were too stupid to hide in a corner from the, whatever they were, ogres or something that were attacking them, and that made me sad but I retried it and I beat them because I knew what I had to do that time. I remember playing through the game a couple of times, trying out a couple of different difficulty levels. The combos worked smoothly. Uh, and oh yeah, this is this is a beat-em-up RPG. Well, you, you get stronger. You, be, you could try beating the final areas without getting stronger. It'd take you a while and one, and one mistake would probably cost you your life, but you could try it. Uh... Really, this will come into its proper context in a little while when we get to talk about it not long after we talk about Guardian Heroes. And at that time, I think Mr. Apps and I will expound upon it quite a bit. Mm. Does this jive with what you would prefer to say, Mr. Apps? Absolutely. All right. So if, if, if you want the short version, Atlas chose something fun to bring across. You will get a lot of time out of it, and... If you like your beat-em-ups and you like to mix them with a little bit of RPG, then give this a shot, peoples. Have fun. It's pretty cheap, too, especially on the eShop. I think it's only 20 bucks. I haven't even checked it. See, Mac was kind enough to send me an official review copy back when, and, well, I wasn't about to say no to that, especially when (laughs) I started playing it. Also, especially since I had just gotten through Kingdom Hearts droopy, dependent dilettantes. <laughs> this was a much better 3DS experience. 
Um, yeah, I don't. I like the music. Graphics were very nice. Nice sprite work. Uh, really, that's all I. That's all you need for a short version. You like your beat 'em ups. You like your RPGs. Then what? What are you waiting for? Give this a shot, like right now. I still have it in my backlog. So. Well, I can tell you this, Cassandra. True to the beat 'em up heritage, if you go straight through, it's not a very long game. You can probably beat it in under two hours if you try. Man, you're, you're making. I know I have a Super Nintendo accessible. This is making me want to bust out Final Fight 2 and 3 and just go through them right now and pound the crap out of people. <laughs> There's just something so visceral about moving from left to right, beating the crap out of everyone in your way. Especially after playing Mugen Souls. Yeah, well, <laughs> with, you, with you setting the bar that low, you could have said, here, let's, let's play... The original Russian version of Tetris, which is not adapted for anything but Russian computers of 1985, <laughs> and it would still be more fun. <laughs> you know, I, I'm yeah, I'm reading this uh, this uh, this uh, review by somebody called Mike Jew Mason Minky, and he says it's a pleasant change of pace for me to tackle a game all about beating the crap out of everything in my path with no other concerns to dilute the ferocity of pummeling my enemies into submission. Code of Princess provides an excellent means of satisfying the reptile brain impulses within me. And like many other games in this genre, it will be there whenever I need a sudden adrenaline boost. That makes it a difficult game to recommend for anyone without a reptilian brain that sometimes demands relief but it satisfies the urge to concuss everything in sight splendidly. Man, th- that guy has some good turns of phrase. I, I have <laughs> to say, I, I you know, in, in what I do, I get to read a lot of people's writings, and I just enjoyed iterating what was written there because it was so well written. I, I think there's something else on the blast from the recent past list that Cassandra could comment upon if she chose. No, nah, it's running out of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta but run, thought, but but I thought it was the Cassandra show. No, no, it's twenty five minutes. Sorry, her Canceled. time's up. Canceled. <laughs> no, she have to come back next week or the week after next or whatever we're doing another recording. Because now it's time to play some more music, and we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final laugh. The final lab. This is the bar of the show where we just pretty much share what's on our mind. We read your comments, we share your thoughts, and we share our own. Uh, let's see here. We also happen to remind you that we are going to be doing another RPG backtrack in the not too distant future. Number one twenty nine. My fist, your face. We'll be discussing River City Ransom, Guardian Heroes, Advanced Guardian Heroes, 
and a game that we might or may not have just spoken about, Coda <laughs> Princess. Um, yeah. What is the theme of that episode, Phil? Uh, let's see here. Hmm. Tactical RPGs? Yeah, tactical. <laughs> strategic RPGs, I'm thinking. Exactly. If, if we can fit it in, we may mention Streets of Rage in that, which is, of course, a very tactical game. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up soon. And if you have any questions, thoughts, whatever about this show that we just talked about or you have some thoughts about some of these games that we just mentioned for the next show, we would love to hear them. You can leave your comments at board.rpgamer.com. You can email jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. You can tweet out to at jcservant and at jumason, and we would love to hear what you have to say. But right now, we want to hear what our panelists have to say because we're ready to do a roundtable, and then we're going to read your thoughts from the boards. We're going to kind of do it in a little opposite order this time. So we're going to go around and... Well, well, there, was a, there was a thought posted on our last... Yeah, we're going to be doing that soon. We'll do, we'll do the roundtable first. A, it was such an awesome thought that we, we must get it in here. It's an awesome thought? Well, but we can... I understand that, Alex, you wish to enter Dreamland shortly, and I can completely understand why, which means that you, sir, have the honor of going first. Hey. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. But oh. not quite as grand elegantly. Go, Alex. It's all about you until it's all about Cassandra. Which oh, can well, happen any time. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to be cut off halfway through. So, I think I'll start off by keeping with our compo heart theme from uh, the previous segment. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait. Everything Compile Heart does is not at that level, right? It, that is correct. I'm actually playing one that's pretty fun. Is it Fairy Fencer F? It is Fairy Fencer F, yes. Oh, good, which I've cause... basically been oh, playing yeah. for the last week or so. Uh, I'm about 16 hours in now today, so I had sort of a fairly big session today. Uh, the actual battle system's a lot of fun, because the previous ones, well, the previous Compo Heart games I've played have mostly been the Agarest ones, which are just... I'm so sorry. Take, take so long to get through, but the battle well, system... Well, y- you told me... Agarest 2 makes significant improvements over the game I do not want to name right now. Yeah, yeah, that's significant improvements that still results in a below average score. And yeah, remember that's uh, that's Idea Factory hitting on about the highest level of quality it reaches. Yeah, well, I think with Fair Fence they've actually managed to get better still. So I mean, the battle system is really quick, but especially if you use the um, there's a button which skips all the animations. So if you keep using that, then battles just, the battles just go like that. Um, it's I think it might be similar to the later Neptunia games, sort of in terms of its how it how it flows. It's turn based. There's there's some bits of movement, but that's all good. But yeah, the battle system's a lot of fun. Um, the dungeons are all nice and quick, which is another issue. It's also solved the issue of really annoying difficulty bits, although I think it's probably solved that too much, so it's now really easy rather than <laughs> really hard, but I think I'll probably prefer it that way. <laughs> I think all of us have experienced what Idea Factory can do when the difficulty is not really easy, and I'd rather be bored, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, fortunately the speed up helps with too, so you actually, lots of progress. <laughs> although I've just hit a plot point, which is a... Uh, time travel plot point and those always end well yep. particularly when it seems I'm having to now go through all the dungeons again 
That sounds familiar. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, I think you've hit on the issue of um, Ruben Solson's story is that it's basically made up of every single cliche. Yeah. Well, at least, it sounds like a, at least it sounds like a much better game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, actually, you actually get through the cliches quite quickly, so they don't hang around forever. And it's actually got probably the best music I've heard from a idea factory game. I mean, m- most of the music is still composed by, I think, Ken- Kenji Kaneko. He does all stuff, but it's got quite a few Earthbound Papa tracks in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this for Kenji Kaneko. If I hadn't had to hear the music for as many hours as I did, I would probably have thought <laughs> that was pretty decent. But once you've heard the same track for, oh, I don't know, 40 or more hours, it starts to lose its appeal, no matter how good it is. <laughs> yeah. But he, he's, he's probably the most talented person we're company. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think they, they do advertise that Novoro Matsu did some music for this game. He really did sort of the main song, but a few of the other Earth Pan Papa sort of people contribute some of the more heavy tracks in the game, and they they all sound pretty cool. So, yeah, it's generally it's not an amazing game by any means, but it's fun to it's pretty fun to play. So you, it's a pretty good time killer. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd all settle for, you know, pretty good from Compile Heart slash Idea Factory, so that's good to hear, you know. They are still slowly improving. Yeah, I mean, despite how much Bugen Souls destroyed me, I am still willing to give their new games a try. Hey, hey, Michael Axe. I'm very forgiving, Hey, hey. I guess. Hey, hey, hey. Yes? Hey, uh, what do you think of Discare for? Was that a fun game? It's awesome. Was it awesome game? Yeah. Hey, you know what? You know what? What? Sam says it's pretty much the same as Mugen Soul. So Mugen's is awesome, right? We must kung fu fight, I think. Fair enough. Because, he... uh, uh, no. No. <laughs> Anything else, uh, Mr. Alex? Um, I think, well, I'm starting to play through Danganronpa 2. Uh, yeah, wait, 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 wait. What, what did you say you're playing? Danganronpa 2. Okay, for a second there, I thought you said Dokapon 2, and I was about to have a heart attack. That's Phil's no. Mugen Souls. Ah, no, I crap not know what that is. <laughs> Shoo. I thought, I thought it had spawned in a satanic sequel, because I had played Dokapon Kingdom. It was, one of the, it was one of the games they originally tortured me with when I was on reviews. Hey, Phil, we got this really cool board game RPG hybrid. Oh, why don't you try it out, Phil? Yeah. I'm sorry. So, so what uh, did you... Uh, this I... game is... Uh, I'm only sort of into the very first part of that, but having absolutely adored the first game, I'm very confident that the same will apply to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm getting a kick out of the visual novel-style stuff at the moment. I've heard really good things about that. Yeah. If you haven't, definitely play the first one. Uh, I'd like to try it. I just have to get over... Uh... I don't know, I just have trouble getting into that kind of game, so gotta get myself in the right mind frame and then I'll try the first one at some point. Oh, you will not regret it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think that's mostly what I've been playing. The other thing I'm going to plug at the moment is the new feature that got posted, well, at the time of recording, which is our new sort of favourite RPG transports feature. That's right. So, Yay. Yeah. What's that all about? Yay. Tell us. Let's check it out. Uh, I think I've basically explained it in the title there, really. What? What? But what is it about? Not... You call it transportation. What? What's this transportation you speak of? 
Well, it's the uh, many ways our heroes get get around to saving the day when they can't bother to either walk, skip, or run, <laughs> or or their other forms of two-legged transportation. Mm. You know, I I shouldn't say this with Mister Apps around, but I remember liking the the witch broom that what's what's her face Arsh something like that took to in Tales of Fantasia. Ah, yes, in place of the real. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned that briefly. <laughs> I wrote that one. Because <laughs> everybody else gets reared, she stays on her broom. <laughs> but they're tech birds in the GBA version, but same thing. Yeah, so, yeah some, some of the examples we've got there, we've got the bikes from Pokemon, I think Cassandra wrote that as well. There's the Ebon Hawk from The Old Republic. Chocobos are naturally there. Yeah, so a bunch, a bunch of our favourite ones in there. All right. Anything else, Mr. Alex? Um, I think of. I think that is it for me. Well, you have a very good evening, morning, slash afternoon. Uh, yes, as, yes, as it is uh, quarter past five in the morning. I think I shall. <laughs> <laughs> you shall. You off. shall go and head to sleep, but do not bugger off because we did not approve <laughs> of buggering here on the RPG backtrack. That sounds like deviant <laughs> behavior, and we do not support any such. Activities. So it's have a, press, it, well, good it depends on the context. So you have a very good evening. All right, thank you. Thank you Bye-bye. for being on the show. Thanks. Uh, let's take a look at the list and let's knock out uh, Mr. Apps. Oh, well, I'm still trying to finish Natural Doctrine, which uh, the final battle is continuing to be elusive in. Um, you know, just you know, the boss will just not give up and just let me beat it already. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that maybe by the time this gets posted, I'll have a review up, but I'm not certain at this point. But thankfully, it's not out for another two weeks, so I still have time to get a review out before the release. But yeah, I think I talked enough about that on the last episode. Um, also. I'm looking to do a retro view of the original Dragon Warrior at some point in the near future. Ooh, you know, I'm yeah. kind of an expert of Dragon Warrior lately. I know. One? Yep, original NES version. Um, I can help I you mean, out with that. It's evil. I was, <laughs> I was aided a bit because I played it on a Retron 5, which allows for save states, which makes it a lot quicker. Okay, you know, that's cheating, but thank you for offering that information. <laughs> It is cheating, but uh, I still found a decent amount to like about the original game with obviously a lot of caveats that, you know... Okay, were... y'all can stop listening... Most of them we can, uh, we can attribute to the fact that it was made in uh, 1986. Okay, y'all can yes. stop listening to apps now. I've talked to Cassandra, <laughs> and she approves of the Phil official review, which is already up for your reading pleasure. Just ignore him. <laughs> Uh, well, that's sh- that short circuited that. Oh. <laughs> he's he's thinking whether or not I'm serious. That's what he's like. Was he serious <laughs> about that? <laughs> that's what he's doing right now. Uh, remember Vodka Man, third glass. Woohoo! Somebody's having a lot of fun tonight. So what else, <laughs> Mister Apps? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Destiny. In fact, I'm actually uh, playing it while we're talking right now. I, I I heard that we're actually covering that. Are we? That's what somebody told me. Is that true? Let me, let me double uh, check this. Let me, let me I, look at our front page right now. It's, it, it is, I guess, RPG enough. I, it, 
Yeah, I see it right there on our page. Recent release is Destiny on September 9th. Get out. must mean we're covering it. It's a shooter game. It's got RPG elements. It's got loot. It's got levels. So does Ratchet and Clank. You don't see us covering that. Okay, we're not going to get into argument. We're not supposed to talk. There it is. That's the page on our site for Destiny. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's it. From now on, I'm using RPG Backtrack as my podium to talk about anything remotely related to an RPG <laughs> that I think we should cover. We're starting tonight when it's my turn. You just wait. Anyways, Mike, are you, you enjoy- gonna- are you enjoying Destiny? I absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, story's not fantastic, but other than that, uh, you know, I, I can't really complain because I'm having a ton of fun. So it's, it's so, like yeah. a it's like a first person shooter MMO. Is that what I hear? Uh, I would really downplay the MMO to the point of not really calling it an MMO, because really, uh, as far as the non competitive multiplayer goes, you're usually playing in like a group of three. And although you know, there's there's points where you'll see other people running around the same area, and there's like events that can feature massive players. For the most part, you're working in a party of three. So I, I think the better comparison might be like maybe Fantasy Star Online as a shooter to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not not exactly an MMO. Hmm. Yeah. Now I, 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 I now I've gotten some comments from some of our listeners that some of them are not exactly social. Go figure. Is this sure. a game for the antisocial? Uh, absolutely, actually. Um, there's like not a lot of. I, I, they don't have like voice chat on in general because since this is uh, only a console release, uh, the, there's not like a lot of voice chat. Um, you you're only going to be it's only going to be active for like your your group when you're doing like the co-op missions or uh, your team when you're. I think I, I'm going to say I think your team when you're doing competitive multiplayer. I mean, I've only done that with friends so we've been in our own party already but you know you're not going to have to deal with your typical like Halo Xbox Live annoying type people and you can play pretty much play this single player or just meet up with random people to do the quest together that you don't have to talk to so yes um, if you're the antisocial type you don't have to worry about that like you would in say your typical MMO Okay. And I mean, really being on consoles, it doesn't, you know, there's not a lot of like the keyboard communication at all. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not a worry if that would keep you away from an online only type game. Rush outing play Destiny. Yeah. I should point out a lot of people seem to say, try to make the comparison to Borderlands. Um, and it really isn't like Borderlands at all. So if if you're looking for something very Borderlands, do not play this game. Okay, does it have guns? It's, it has guns okay. and it has it has loot, but does not it have loot? loot but not <laughs> yeah, okay, anywhere we're near set. The, it doesn't have it anywhere near the extent of uh Borderlands. Okay, does it have claptrap? It does not have claptrap. Oh, that's the big difference. Okay, it's still Borderlands. <laughs> I think we should also mention, just for the sake of Phil, I, I remember you played an X-Men game with the subtitle of Destiny, didn't you? 
Oh yeah, yeah, that was the bomb. I highly oh, recommend. You did, that, Phil. That everybody rush out and play X Men Destinies right now, <laughs> if you want to hate your very existence. <laughs> yes, it is calling you. It is absolutely. You know what? I love. I I've loved just about every Marvel uh, action RPG that's ever come out, but Destiny is the glaring exception. Destiny, it's not your destiny unless your destiny is very bad. Just don't do it, okay? The the destiny of this game was that they decided not to finish it. They just they just made a half ass game. Don't don't do it. Don't do Destiny. Just don't. Don't. I, you know you see X Men on the front. You see Wolverine. He's badass. You're tempted. Just don't. That's it's the man. Trap. That's the man taking advantage of you and your weaknesses. Don't do it. So, Mister Raps, you do anything fun, new, and exciting on the site? Uh, nope. No, uh, still waiting on to do that natural doctrine review. Yeah. No, I no longer am a. I am no longer the question answerer for the community. Did you ever round up somebody to do what you want? You wanted to do an entire podcast on the your history. Yes. That, right? uh, um, I would like to do that at some point. Um, planning is not exactly my forte, so that will probably take a bit longer until I figure out who I want to have on that and when exactly to record it. So we'll see. But yeah, that's definitely something I want to do, uh, considering I wrote that thing for four years and there's definitely some interesting conversations to have. You might want to have Cassandra on that. I understand she wrote you more than a few letters. <laughs> she did. but And I also would need you to be on there. Because uh, yeah, we could I... have some... Because I could talk to you about how many hours I spent on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good for you. Now, now you have filmographies in your head of all these great actors of the past. It's it's true. Although See, I eventually, didn't, I didn't make you look up Van Johnson because that would have no. been just cruel. <laughs> Although eventually, it just got to the point where it was just like, okay, can I can I like can, can I find like a link? from this person to some studio that Sony owns, because that gets me right into the video game world. It's true. After so many of the old studios just were bought up by multinational conglomerates, that it's a lot easier now than it would have been decades ago. <laughs> so then again, if you had tried it in the 30s, I don't think Japanese companies had any dealings with the United States then, so good freaking luck. Hmm... <laughs> Cool. Anything else? Um, I think that is it. So just, yeah, uh, Natural Action is an interesting game, so uh, definitely please check out that review once that goes up. Where's the review? <laughs> Hopefully up by the time... Okay, Slacker! Slacker! I'm trying. I'm trying. It's I want my review, damn it! It's a hard boss battle, <laughs> and, and I'm going to try and, like, uh, since I'm playing it on PS4, actually hey. get a recording of me beating the last boss. All I'm hearing is excuses. <laughs> and I'm not I'm looking right now at our website. No review. <laughs> oh, it's there. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's, no. Yeah, no it's, it's right there. No, it's not. You lie. Phil. Phil. I, I know exactly what's happening here. He's trying Mr. to take Apps, advantage that I've been Mr. drinking. Apps is trying to go with this this recent trend we have of bringing back the 90s. It's a virtual review, right? That's right. See, we're bringing back the term virtual. 
It's <laughs> radical, man. Tubular, uh, even. Let me Bodacious. see here. You know what I see on our website is it looks kind of like I'm either it's a really young girl or it's a midget. I'm not sure which. And it says, Sonia Sotomayor, and she says in quotes, I do believe that every person has an equal opportunity to be a good and wise judge, regardless of their background or life experiences. Rebar, American... You a Supreme Court judge telling you things on yeah, our site? Yeah, I'm going to take a screenshot and share this with you guys. Seriously, <laughs> I can't make this crap up. You, we, get the, we get the silliest things on our website. I just... This is why I, I don't even read our I, site. I find anymore. this especially hilarious given how high the... The readership from outside the United States is of RP Gamer. You know, I, I can't. What does the United States Supreme Court judge mean to somebody in the I, UK? Okay, all I can tell you is that I can't make this stuff up. If I try, I'm going to share this with you guys right now, and and then you guys can just tell me what you think. It's it's uploading as we speak to my Dropbox, so I can just I'm copy seeing an link. ad for Build Direct Shop Ceramic and Porcelain. You know, that's the beauty of RP Gamer. You get, like, a different thing each time, so I have to, like, do a screenshot, and here we go. Here's the pace. Go ahead and click on that Red link Bull there and, and tell me what <laughs> I got a Red Bull hat. We need a Red Bull hat tonight. Now, seriously, is that a girl? Is that a little girl or a, or a that's midget? Not, that is not Sonia Sotomayor. I don't that even know. <laughs> I don't even know who Sonia Sotomayor is. Do you? She's a Supreme Court justice. The, yeah. Who is this little girl? What, what is the point of <laughs> well, this? you don't it's, get to be on the probably... Supreme Court when you're three, let me tell you. <laughs> it, it, maybe it's a picture of her as a little kid. <laughs> I don't That's know. Maybe. Good I guess... Considering Sonia Sotomayor is past 50, uh... that picture would have to be taken in the late 60s. Yeah, and and that, okay. and, you know, you, you guys, if there's any kid anywhere that would dream of being okay. on the Supreme Court okay. at that age. <laughs> okay, guys. Guys, I'm going to do something I've never done before. It might be the third glass of vodka talking. I'm going to click on one of our advertisements at RP Gamer oh, on God. purpose. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I'm clicking on it. It's loading. Hopefully, I'm not getting a virus on my computer. Uh, let's see. Empowering our children and promoting our cultures. Leaders of Hispanic diversity. So, apparently, the children are the leaders of Hispanic diversity. Let me tell you guys something. I'm not a child. I'm actually very white as well. But puedo hablar español si necesito. Because I took four years of Spanish in high school. I can speak enough Spanish to get me through. And and you know what? I'm a leader of Hispanic diversity. And I'm not on that website. That's prejudice. <laughs> Dang it. Why are all these now, kids on there? I'm Yeah, I'm a lot older than a I'm kid. Forced to, I'm forced to pick holes in this Hispanic argument too because – the entire Hispanic culture is not one mono, the one mono thing. Is Cuba's culture identical to that in Argentina? No. No, they don't even speak the same, like, like Spanish. The dialects are so different, I have a hard time understanding some of Is somebody of them. in Baja going to be exactly the same as somebody in, I don't know, Peru? I don't think so. Hmm. Now, now that we've gone on completely unusual completely, completely tangent, we should probably move on to the next person. So uh, let's mm. see here. Hum, who can we talk to? Oh, let's do the one, the only, Cassandra Rose! Yay! Okay. So let's see, other than replaying the Devil Survivor games, I finally 
uh, I finally played Pokemon Conquest, something everybody else played. Like, how long has it, has it been that long? Two that years? sounds awesome, Cassandra. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I, re- I reviewed that game. It was fun. Yes, yes. yes it's it's pretty, it's a relatively short game. It's, uh, you know, pretty simple as far as strategy RPGs go. Definitely not hard, but it's a lot of fun. That it's definitely a fun little taste. That was big thing for the DS, wasn't it? Uh, it was one of them. It was one of the last DS games I bought. Yeah, I, although I think it came out before Black 2 and White 2, and that, I think, was, like, the last big thing for the DS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pokemon Black 2, White 2. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, there's a couple of post-game scenarios that, because they're even less sto- they're even more story-light than the main game, I'm not that thrilled to go through right now, but I'll probably do them, like, every so often, because they go pretty by pretty quickly. And I've also almost done with uh, Crimson Shroud, that the downloadable 3DS. I remember RPG. that. Yep. Yeah, that's probably the closest I've ever come to playing a tabletop game. Believe it or not. That's that jives with my memory. Although, I, were you lucky? Did you get that whatever that item was that you had? Yeah, the Daphne something or other. I yeah, I had to look that up. I was completely stumped. Like that's that's really annoying. But yeah, otherwise I've been kind. I've been actually having some fun with that. The story. Like, the story writing reminds me of a fantasy novel. Obviously not of the same depth, but it's pretty interesting. You, you might and, want to try something else by Matsuno, then, because that's kind of his trademark. Ah. Okay, so, again, that's pretty... So, yeah, almost done with that. I think there's, like, a new game plus with a... If not a different ending, at least a little different take on the story. So I'd probably want to do that before I move on to something else. And I've also just recently bought uh, Fiat Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Is that the yeah, second or the third one? That's the second one. I don't okay. think there's a third one. I, I didn't play the, sec- the first one because I was interested, but I just never got around to it. Then when I heard that Curtain Call has Crystal Chronicles music, I was just like, there's no way in heck I'm getting the first one now. <laughs> now, now, now remember, of course, Phil, hmm. we don't cover Fiat Rhythm, but we do cover Destiny. What? <laughs> what the hell? Okay, okay. Fiat Rhythm Rev Doohickey, I, I played it. It has... It has levels. It, it has like 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 characters you can swap in and out. And most importantly, it has a Final Fantasy theme. Destiny doesn't even have that. <laughs> what the hell? Okay, don't even. No, no. Keep keep talking. I'm sorry, Cassandra. That's all right. It was uh, blasphemy for me to interrupt. I'm sorry too. I, I just felt that it had to get out there. Well, regardless of the reasons why or why not, I'm looking forward to try that. And otherwise, there's not too much new, I suppose. I, I contributed to the, uh, you know, transportation feature that Alex mentioned earlier. Pretty fun. Uh, we, there's, yeah, as we always have a feature, like, either in the works around here, so I guess that's not news. Just, as always, keep your eyes peeled. And otherwise, uh, it's, uh, once in a while, I'll come out with a news article. Not much else to say. <laughs> yeah, I see that you were thinking about posting something on the subject of Bravely Second. Oh, yes, that'll come soon enough. Uh, probably a bit late, but my schedule at work has been a little crazy, so... But, yeah, there's finally more info on that game. Yay. Yay! Woo! Woo! All right. What about you, Mr. Minky? Oh, gosh. Well, as I promised on the last episode, a review re- went up. It's for a little thing called Rhymeberta, and <laughs> I love it. I loved it when... Glenn proofed my review and said that he no longer gets to gets assigned the crappy tactical games to <laughs> review. Instead, I got it this time. I'm, I was so lucky. 
of course, since I already talked about the game last time, I have to think of something else that I didn't say. Um, oh, yes, there are several battles in the middle where the game just thinks it would be fun to throw your whole team into the middle of the battlefield, and you don't even get to see it beforehand, so that you get to... Here's the first start of the first turn, and, yep, you're surrounded by enemies, and you can... Then you get to try and find out what works. Um... Else was there in this thing? Uh, Jeepers creepers! Uh, like I told Scott last time, listening to the active topical banter backlog I had in the background was a nice way to pass the time while I played this thing. It's not even that the music is necessarily bad; it's just kind of there, and the game is. Mm. Oh, oh yes, I I should address this. I did not like the viewpoint. I've never been much of a fan of strictly isometric games anyway. I mean, tactical kind of works, but with this thing where I have to individually click each unit with the mouse and there are heights around me so that sometimes a unit might be underneath a a cliff or something so that I have to spin the camera around just the right way and then tilt the viewing angle so that I can hopefully click on the stupid thing because the stupid mouse isn't as sensitive as it should be. I don't need my tactical games. I really don't. Let alone... The thought I just had, which is gone now. Uh, okay, you know, it's interesting that the corpses of your enemies just sit there all the time, and if you kill everybody in a rush, then you find it really hard to move because you can't stand on those corpses. Because, of course, you can get revivic revival abilities. Oh, whatever. Um, enough rhyme here. It really doesn't deserve the time I'm giving it here. I have started Vagrant Story, which I will have extensive time to talk about in the near future on our show. Right now, I can say that this stands out from the usual Japanese stuff because what my protagonist, I see a horrible scene of his past where his family died and he was the father, not the son. Well, that automatically makes it stand apart from a lot of (laughs) Japanese games because he had a son. He had a wife. They're dead. It's not that his parents died. It's that his, I, I shouldn't even need to exclaim over this. It's just so freaking unusual. Usually it would be the little kid watching his parents die, and then a few years later when he's all of 13, he's able to single-handedly take revenge on the people who did it. Uh, the game as a whole, the interface is badly aged. Menu takes way too long to deal with, and moving around is kind of clunky, really kind of clunky. But combat is... You know, I'm not even going to go into that right now. We have, we will have an entire show in the future devoted to this game, and we will be spending quite a while on combat because there's a lot going into this. <laughs> and that leaves me with movies. Let's see here. What did I watch? Oh, yes, I told Phil about this wonderful movie called The Mouthpiece, which is just pre-code, otherwise not too noteworthy, but there's a wonderful scene in it where Warren William decides that the only way he can get a not-guilty verdict from the jury is to pick up that piece of evidence on the t- on the courtroom table, that poison which his co- client supposedly used, and drink it in front of the jury, which is completely applicable. All courtrooms allow that. And then what do you know? The jury comes back, returns a not guilty verdict, and he goes off and gets his stomach pumped because, by gum, that's a slow-acting poison. That's one way. Uh... I should also mention Arabesque because that was the funniest I've ever seen Gregory Peck. And let's face it, Gregory Peck was not known as a comedian. And his co-star is Sophia Loren, who is, as usual, easy on the eyes. 
there are a lot of actual funny lines. And probably my favorite would be when he asks, weren't you ever in the Boy Scouts? I flunked the physical. I should have joined my troop. Waved it. I, I just find that a really good line. And, oh yes, I watched my very first full Jerry Lewis movie. I do not anticipate watching any more Jerry Lewis movies for quite a while. It's a relic of the 60s, and not in a good way. Unless you consider the very idea that women can't get over men and need to have a man who will abandon them as soon as he gets them their horrible phobia of men to be funny, which I didn't. That's three on a couch. Too long. Uh, There, that should be enough. Phil, your turn. Yeah, I'm not a personally um, big fan of those types of movies myself either. So, we just recorded our last show a couple of days ago because of the way the schedules worked out with everybody involved, namely myself, my evil little business trips and the such. So I haven't played it a whole lot since a couple of days ago. But since we've opened up the floodgates and said Destiny's an RPG, <laughs> I'm going to open up what I'm going to talk about here on the RPG Mag Track. I'm just going to plug one of my favorite series of all times. Until, I, don't, I don't know if I ever talked about this on the backtrack before. Mike would probably be able to... Have I ever talked about Heroes of Might and Magic, Mike? Only in passing. I don't think you've ever devoted significant time to it. You know, well, I won't take up too much time. I'm just going to say, guys, Heroes of Might and Magic, a super awesome and fun, fun, fun series. Originally came out, I don't know, gosh dang, in the mid-90s or something like that. I, I didn't actually play the original game, but the second game came out around 97, 98, and I got that. And I played the hell out of it. Later on in the early 2000s, we got Heroes of Might and Magic 3. They're really, they're really kind of pseudo board games, RPG, strategy, tactical games. I mean, it's really a menagerie of different genres put together. There's storytelling involved. There's some decisions you're going to make. You're building up an army, but your hero gets experience points and levels up, and you'll make level up choices. Um, by any strict definition, it's not really a, an RPG. Um, it's probably more of a tactical maybe strategy game but it, it, what's really funny is of course this ties into the might magic series and i remember when might magic 6 came out i want to say heroes of might magic 2 came out right afterwards and it kind of continued the story and then we got might magic 7 then we got heroes of might magic 3 and then we got might magic 8 and we got heroes of might magic 4 so there's some loose connections between the story if you cared about this i mean for the most part the might magic games didn't really have deep earth moving plots or anything that i actually really gave a you know care about but if if you're into that sort of thing that was there but honestly with heroes and might magic games the the captivating factor is the gameplay uh you move a you you play a hero you start off with one hero you can actually hire other heroes but you'll start off with a main hero who can recruit he'll start off with a small army of a few let's say pikemen and archers depending on what faction you are, and you'll be able to find and recruit other ar- uh, members of your army along the way, eventually being able to build up even thousands of troops. Uh, you might be the human faction, and your troops will consist of pikemen, cavalry, archers. You might be a necromancer, and your army consists of zombies and whites and uh, skeletons. Uh, you could be the dungeon faction, and you might have, like, uh, troglodytes and dragons. Uh, the different faction... Uh, wait, wait. Troglodytes? Yeah, those little blind little underground creatures. I've always it's... thought those were just cave dwellers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can actually recruit the mass. They're very weak, but you can inc- recruit them by the dozens to your army. So next thing you know, you'll have a thousand troglodytes. 
in your army. <laughs> okay, you probably won't ever get up to a thousand unless you play a lot of weeks. Um, the game the game takes place in turns, like turn based combat. It's, it's but every turn is a day, so every seven days your production facilities create more troops and resources that you can use to hire more. You know, well, use the resources to hire more troops, like troglodytes. Um, yeah, there's just a whole different kinds of different troops that you can you can recruit. And it's really cool getting a thousand skeletons and such together. Uh, what the game does is when you have a thousand skeletons, instead of trying to actually put a thousand skeletons on the screen at once, it shows a picture of a skeleton with the number one thousand next to it. <laughs> so, and when and when some of them when when they get hit, if there's well, enough. Well, to be fair. To be fair, at that point, displaying a thousand skeleton sprites simultaneously would probably have been yeah, really hard on the hardware. Probably, probably bring the your graphics driver to its knees. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you know what's super fun about the game is just the exploration aspect. As you're going all over the world uh, or whatever the world map, and you're you're finding new resources, tagging them so you can build bigger facilities to recruit the bigger monsters of your faction. Uh, sometimes tagging other towns, conquering other towns, you'll lay siege to them. You'll bring your weapons of war, your trebuchets. Um, your hero will oftentimes have spells to help your troops out in combat, or at the very least bring skills like leadership that will give your troops bonuses. The games are very deep, um, and with the exploration element, they're just so much fun to play. Uh, I, I would best describe these as complicated board games that you love playing alone. Because you could never play these games with other people. There's just too many on a on a regular board game. There's just too many computations going on. But with the computer, it's like Civilization. With the computer, it's super super fun. Uh, it, it, you know, for everyone raves about Civilization, but I was playing Heroes of Might and Magic before Civilization, and I played both now, of course. And I go back to Heroes of Might and Magic because it has more RPG elements with the with the fantasy theme and the uh, the leveling up mechanics and the such of the heroes. Uh, plus the story that kind of ties the maps together, which you don't get really in any civilization game. It makes it feel uh, – it gives it a more RP flavor. So definitely check it out. You can get you can get Heroes of Might and Magic easily enough off a of GOG and it will run pretty much on anything. It's a cheap date. So that's that's my <laughs> – you like that, But a right? long-lasting date. It, yeah, no, that that's actually a good point. Hero, the Heroes of Might and Magic games are very long. Um, you know, if you're looking at Heroes of Might and Magic 2, I'm looking at that right now. You're looking at the screenshots. It looks incredibly basic. I get it. It's $10. You can wait for a sale. But let me tell you something. I bought the game at full price. It was probably like 40 50 bucks back in the day. Plus an expansion came out, which is included in the GOG version. Um, the Price of Loyalty. The the base game itself could easily just take 40 to 50 hours to get through the main campaign, plus it came with a whole bunch of extra maps. Oh, and plus it actually had two campaigns, not one. It had the, um, you could play as Archibald, or I want to say his name was Reginald or something, but there was basically a good prince and a bad prince. Two different storylines to play through uh, in that game, and that... Um, that was actually a lot of fun. I played through them both. Uh, plus, you got all the random maps and stuff. You could easily spend 150 hours in Heroes of Might and Magic 2 Gold alone. Uh, but yeah, you you start getting into like Heroes of Might now. Heroes of Might and Magic 3, uh, which by many is considered the best of the series, uh, it still uses 2D isometric graphics. Probably the best 2D isometric graphics you'll see in the series. Very beautifully hand rendered, just gorgeous. Nine ninety nine, and that one comes with two expansions. Uh, 
forget what they're called at the moment off the top of my head. But yeah, just super, super, a lot of fun. But yes, you're right. You could spend a ton of hours into these games. It's like Civilization. It's one more turn. Um, these are games that years later, I want to say, gosh, it's been two decades since Heroes of Might and Magic 2, almost. I still go back and play these games. I install them on every new computer I get without hesitation. I download. I just. I just download the GOG version and just install them. Two and three at the very least. Sometimes four as well. Now there has been five and six. Those came out later by Ubisoft. Um, I really like the anime influence uh, that's in the, the those graphics. But those are those games aren't quite as well balanced. Uh, two and three by many people are considered the best. Four was still created by what was that company called? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Hmm. I don't remember. Uh, New World Computing. Ha ha. Two and three were by New World Computing. Four was as well, but four was not as well received. I enjoyed four, but I I can see that there's some AI scripting issues and the such that make the game not quite, the gameplay not quite as compelling because the AI just isn't quite up to the task. The, The AI in four isn't quite as aggressive in the such. So it just basically waits for you and a lot of boards to come and kick its butt. Uh, yeah, um, two and three, pretty much the AI will, will poke you. Well, at least it's not, it's not going to kick your ass, but it will come and send some warriors at you, send some armies at you. And if you leave your defenses open, uh, it'll take advantage of it. So, uh, so two and three, but, but four, I, I personally enjoyed four, five, five, it felt unbalanced to me. I play, I put a lot of hours into five and eventually end up giving up through the story mode on that one because uh, speaking of Shimigami Tensei level of difficulty spikes uh, there's a board there, I remember in 5 there was a particular board about halfway through the campaign that I tried no less than 6 different times and got my ass kicked every single time within the first couple of weeks which is only like 10-14 turns so I wouldn't I would never recommend 5 to a new player I would say start off with uh, 2 you could play one, but that's really old school, and it's it's actually pretty funny. You know, it's actually really funny about two as well. Is two looks more cartoony than three looks more realistic, um, but two it's really funny. Like the vampires and stuff, when you kill them, they go bleh bleh, and they just turn into a pile of dust. Two is very humorous. The dwarves will make some sort of grunting sound when you kill them and spin around a circle before they fall flat on the ground. Um, three, all of the creatures and stuff look as realistic as the graphics could for those days for 2d uh probably 16 bit or so graphics um they're 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 they 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 have a little bit less personality but there is such a bigger variety in three of different warriors you could recruit and different towns you could conquer uh that people i everyone enjoyed three a lot there's a actually and there's a big modding community out for these games uh especially for three there's actually an entire expansion around uh, a community made expansion around three, and uh, uh, it allow you can download this mod, and it actually gives you a whole nother level of troops. So, uh, in any given Might Magic game, uh, Might Magic three, let's say for example, you can get seven levels of troops as you slowly upgrade your town. Uh, you can get up to the highest level of troop there. The seventh building that you can unlock for making warriors allows you to make angels. And they're your top tier unit that kick ass. With this mod, you can create an eighth tier unit. That was made by the community. It's awesome. 
the following for Hero of Might Magic 3 is a unique committee that I'm still plugged into and I still read their posts. They're still live to this day. Um, I, want, I can't remember what the name of their expansion is, but plus there's a whole bunch of community-made maps. But in all seriousness, there's so much to the core game, especially with the expansions plugged in, you probably will never make it to the community-made stuff unless you're just curious. Um, it's just that huge. So check it out. Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, the God version is the best one to get because you know that's going to work with your Windows 7 or 8 with no compatibility issues whatsoever. I'm looking at the website of GOG, 6,604 votes for an average of 5 out of 5 stars. So, highly recommended. And I think Adrian Denalden, no, Glenn, Glenn Glenn, Wilson, loves the series as well and had talked about reviewing it on RP Gamer officially. And it kind of fell between the quacks and that whole, is it an RPG, is it not debate? As I recall, he was doing a review blog on it and... I don't know if he ever finished it. Uh, you know, that would be the difficult thing if you were reviewing it for RP Gamer. Getting through the campaign would be a serious investment of time. As for Adrian, Adrian doesn't gen- like tactical games in general, so I can't see how he would get into this series. Oh, he's banished from all RPG backtracks. <laughs> Okie doke! Uh, and with that being said, aside from that, playing some Advance Wars. You like Advance? Have you played Advance Wars, Mike? I played the first one. Oh, jeez. Play some Advance Wars, Mike. This is a lot of fun. I'll talk about it another time, though. It's getting late. Uh, but I will take just a moment to remind all of our lists. Oh, wait, we were going to read comments because we did have some good comments, right? Yes, we did. We had a couple, we had- of, fr- a couple of fresh comments on our last episode that we didn't get the chance to read all two days ago. And, uh, yeah, there, there's this one comment which we, we just kind of have to read here because it's – it's such an affirmation for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we did a last recording, the way the recording schedule has been working out, um, we've got a bunch of shows that we're recording kind of cramped together, so we're not getting all the comments read in a timely manner. Uh, but I have to uh, – so we're going back a couple of shows here, um, and then eventually we'll catch all these up on the next show. I think we'll be all caught up. But uh, let's see here. I remember when we – so last show we were talking about the comments for the show before that, which was the New Vegas show that I was not on. And we read a few comments there. But since then, we've had a few more comments added to that thread. Uh, Suik says, I was so lucky when I played. So lucky, in fact, that I was banned from all the casinos because of those darn blackjack tables. There are some hilarious ways to take advantage of this fast and entertaining romp. By the way, I love RPG Backtrack. It's the reason I created an account on these forums. I have listened to all of them uh, more than once. How embarrassing. It's nice to pick up an old RPG and have the option to listen to a good group of intelligent writers and RPG lovers talk about it. Especially since there are, aren't many podcasts of such surprise uh, of the such, surprisingly enough. Well, my nose is thoroughly brown. Keep up the good work, guys. You know, Sweek, if you want to brown your nose that way we have no problem with it yeah yeah keep browning and i love the uh the um the the uh avatar because it looks like lucia from it, it sure does Proto trigger luca luca lucia luca whatever i merch sure everyone's name two two c's versus a c and an i yeah i'm sure i'm pretty sure that's luca luca <laughs> what do you think cassandra pretty sure it's luca you arguing I, with I've me? Seen, I've seen it. It's no I've longer a Cassandra day. <laughs> All right, so whenever we do another Lunar episode, Phil is going to pronounce Lucia Luca. 
That's Yay. <laughs> Uh yeah, well thank you so much. We, we we you know that that really encourages us because sometimes we do this for weeks or months. We don't hear from anybody, but you know most part we I think Mike and I and our and our panelists do this because we love the games. But it is super encouraging to hear from listeners who are also uh, receiving some sort of value or entertainment from what we're doing here. Tech side, uh, tech side goes on and adds another comment saying. Uh, after reading was, some of it, our comments, mm-hmm. it, it was a response to this guy named Foul Sorceress talking to about Caesar's Legion and Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and whether yeah. they have any connection. Yeah, he says even more uh, after reading the comments. He says even more reason to play it. Um, it was it was very. We talked about this last show because Scott was saying. Well, TechSide had two questions, but he said he only had two questions, but he only asked one, which was whether or not uh, Caesar's Legion was related to Caesar's Palace. And uh, and and Scott answered and said that there's no real connection. TechSide says, it's good, even more reason to play it. I'd say it's a landmark in Vegas, but the Paris Eiffel Tower is right next by the palace and grabs the eye much better there. And the Flamingo for history majors. The win limit sounds hilarious and a little accurate, too. And that's a reference to how much you can get out of the casinos before somebody starts to notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, again, thank you for all of your comments. You can head over to rpgamer.com. You can click the floor <laughs> forum. Boy, you got to stop drinking this stuff. You can click the forum link on the left and also write your comments. Again, you can also um, shoot us off a tweet at twitter.com. Um, just put at JC Servant or at J Moosin. Jew Mason, J-U-M-E-S-Y-N. And just a little tip, by the way, for aspiring podcasters, do not drink vodka while you're recording. So, uh, I and I do need to do the legalistic thing, which is to remind all of you that RPG Packtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best RP gaming community on the net. You can check out everything at rpgamer.com. You can listen to our previous shows. There's a link right there on the left-hand side under community. It says RPG Backtrack. We got, oh, well over 100 episodes there ready for your listening pleasure. You can be just like our good friend who has listened to all of them, and some of them more than once. And you can listen to our whole backlog of of, uh, rants and raves about our favorite RPGs of the past. We've also got two sister podcasts, the RPG Cast, which talks about more recent RPG news and games, as well as the Active active Topical Banter, where they talk about topics related to RP gaming. And that's all at RPGamer.com. Of course, you can also download us on iTunes. Uh, you know, right now, I, I love the comments on the forums, but I also want to encourage everybody, if you, if you like what you hear, leave us a comment on, on iTunes. We have some good comments on there, but it's been a while since we've had some recent comments. So uh, we would love for you all to head over to iTunes, go look up RPG Backtrack, and leave us some five-star ratings. Uh, let's see. I um, want to thank Cassandra, of course. Thank You're you, welcome. Cassandra, for being on the show and sharing your vast knowledge about the Devil Survivor series. I was going to rush out and play it. I've actually got all those games in my backlog here sitting in right, like, not even five feet from me in my DS storage case. But then you know, Mike, Phil, Mike you... told me it sucks. So, <laughs> Phil, I'm going to make go out on a limb and say at the very least you might want to put Strange Journey on the back 
burner for a little while and try one of these because uh, you know you told me it sucks, Mike. So <laughs> I've listed on eBay. I don't remember using the word sucks. You're inventing things again. Mm, no, nope. The liquor does. I mean, my ears don't <laughs> lie. Uh, so, uh, anyways, no, no. We will definitely get. To, I, I'm actually, you know, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment to Shimigami Tensei series. I don't know why. I keep going back to it over and over again, despite the fact that it kicks my ass over and over They're again. They're well-made games in spite of spe- difficulty spikes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You're right. It's those difficulty spikes, like what Mike pointed out. It's just those spikes that come out and grab you. We mentioned it a couple of times. Y'all mentioned it a couple of times when you are talking about the games. I don't know what it is, but we keep going back because they're just so well-made in every other respect. So... Um, I think, like you said, Cassandra, if you just play them a few times, you start to eat, uh, to know some of their idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies is that the word I'm looking for? And uh, I, th- I think you got it out without butchering it, Phil. Obviously, did I? As much vodka I, as you thought. Starting to slur those words together, so but I'm feeling very relaxed, and it's all about me at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I can see everybody rushing now, leaving us one star. The one of the hosts just kept drinking while he was <laughs> just not a professional podcast at all. Anywho. Um, yeah, so thank y'all for being on. Thank y'all for listening. I think that's all I can think of. So, Mr. Mike, please put us to bed before I pass the legal alcohol blood limit for driving a vehicle. Looking at that SMT wiki again, I realized that I must have been very good at comforting Io, Io, whatever her name is, because she didn't die, and she there was an eventuality in which she could have died. So, um, like, you were... Like you were saying, uh, if you're not attentive to your people, they'll die. And there's, then there is something you can do about it. So you're gonna feel like a real heel if somebody you could have spared could have spared the life of ends up dead. And uh, on that fatalistic note, good night.